0: kurein
1: Welcome to the 3rd Impact Anime Podcast, where we do the will and bidding of the Data Integration Thought Entity. I am SOS Brigade Member 00, Austin, and here with me I have SOS Brigade Member 001, Ryan. Hello. How's it going, Ryan? It's going. Cool. And I have SOS Brigade Member 002, Mr. Tobias. How's it going, Tobias?
2: It's going pretty great. I'm here happy, excited, and uh, talk about uh, you know Japanese animation.
1: Yeah, we do that a lot around these parts. It's fun to talk about anime, yeah. Japanese cartoons. So this week, uh, we're going to be talking about 2006's Annie television series, uh, The Melancholy of Haruhi Suzumiya. Woo! It was uh, kind of a phenomenon back in the day about, you know, oh gosh, what's it been, 12 years ago? Whenever yep. that series first came out. It's pretty wild to think that the that show uh, is so old, uh, but we're going to gonna be chatting about it and having a great time. Uh, Ryan, I know this particular episode means a lot to you because he is one of your favorite series of all time.
3: No, no, it is it is my favorite series.
1: All right, and we, Tobias and I, will be able to grill you on how wrong you are for, for these, uh, for these <laughs> thoughts that you have. <laughs> all right, well, before we get into it, I guess we'll do a little bit of catch up, so... Uh, Uh, Tobias, you and I recently did a con this past weekend, so do you want to talk about ARC for a minute? Yep, so
2: uh, ARC, or Asheville Anime Regional Convention, is held in our little sleepy mountain town in Asheville, North Carolina. Uh, It's One of the the remaining conventions in town. We've had a couple over the years that kind of fizzled out, but ARC's been going strong for about four or five years now, and uh, I'm part of the team there. Really happy to, you know, really happy at what's going on with that convention. Uh, A little on the small side, but it's, you know, it's still a local thing, so that's all fine and good. Uh, We, uh, of course, did a whole lot of panels, uh, both myself and Third Impact as a whole, and yeah, everything went out, uh, everything. It you know, went off well without a hitch, no major technical issues, which is always a plus. Nice. And yeah, it was kind of fun to get that full convention experience, you know, at home in a small little two-day thing. And, you know, I actually bought stuff this time. I, I rarely buy stuff at conventions, but I bought a whole bunch of swag. Nice. What'd you get? Uh, I picked up, uh, first of all, uh, this new manga by uh, Ennio Asano who did, uh, uh good night pun pun. His brand new manga series, uh, dead, dead demons, D D D D destruction, which I picked up just because of the, <laughs> the title. I love that title. So much.
3: You said this is the same guy who did pun pun. Pun yeah. Yes.
2: Yes. <laughs> That's and a bit th-
3: of a tonal shift.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, and, because of that name, and I've kind of been into pun pun lately. I also found a copy of Solanin, an earlier manga series oh, uh, yeah. they did, and I picked that up on a whim. Uh, I also picked up looking at it here, the Gunbuster movie, because I realized that I only have it in VHS. Uh, I picked up Twenty Witches, which I think was a Studio 4C thing that you also worked on a while back that I've been meaning to check out. Mm-hmm. And uh, the very special. I remember that one was on Netflix for a while but I don't
1: think it's on there anymore unfortunately. It, it came with that whole like whenever Netflix launched in Japan like Studio 4C was like we're going to get our entire catalog up there but uh I don't think that's still the case anymore. I don't I don't think they have quite the volume of stuff that they used to
2: have on there. But I yeah. do remember 20 witches being on there. Right. And I picked up this awesome book that you almost bought Austin, uh, the Art of that's Studio Ghibli by
0: nice. uh, Danny
2: Cavallaro. Uh, it was a bit on the pricey side, almost fifty bucks, and it's not a very thick book, but there's a couple essays in here, several essays actually. And it looks like there's a lot of a lot of words in this book. So um, I'm always looking for better information about you know Gynax and stuff, so is it in English? It is, yes.
1: Nice. I did think it was funny how the <laughs> the vendor, whenever we picked that up, he was just like, "Uh, just just so you know, that's not a that's not a picture book; it's a words <laughs> book or something like that." <laughs> <laughs> and I bet, yeah, he's probably had multiple people like pick that up and be like, "Oh, cool, neat art of Studio Gaienx," and open it up and it's just walls of text. <laughs> but for uh, for big nerds like like you and I, Tobias, that's that, well, you that's can that's enough.
3: You can technically write it off on your taxes because it's for. Uh, it's for research purposes for your panel. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, oh, for yeah. sure. 100%. It's a business expenditure. Business expense. The, uh, that's the term. Thank you. <laughs> under the Third Impact Anime LLC or whatever.
2: Oh. Gotta get on the, that. LLC. Heck yeah. Heck
1: yeah. yeah. We're, we are a strictly for profit institution. <laughs>
2: we're just really bad at it.
1: Yeah, we're very bad at it. <laughs> um yeah so uh, I was up there at Arc as well and probably the highlight of the convention for me was that delicious tea shop where it had probably the greatest cheesecake I've ever had Ooh, that's, cool. uh, that's a tall man. order yeah it was it was just so good like it it was that it was that perfect sort of mixture of like... You know how cheesecake is one of the things that you, like you don't want it too cold, but you don't want it too warm either. Yes. Um. It was it was right in the middle. It was just so pleasing, Ooh. and it was just it was a it was a flavor combination that I'm really into with uh, matcha and chocolate both together. And oh my god, man, God, it was so freaking good. Um, and the tea the tea was also really good. I I yeah. got a whole bunch of whole bunch of green tea. Uh, well, it was in just moment. in time
3: for National Cheesecake Day. That was on Monday. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah, Cheesecake Factory. My friends and I went out to Cheesecake Factory because they
1: had uh, half-off slices of cheesecake on National Cheesecake Day. Oh, man. Cheesecake Factory, otherwise known as the Land of Mordor. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) With those weird Sauron eyes everywhere. Yeah. (laughs) It's been a while since I've been to Cheesecake Factory. I should go back again. But Anyway, um, yeah, my, my panels went over pretty well. I think our... I think I got my record lowest attendance, which I'm now proud of. Um, well, I mean, we always have to have a low. We have to establish, like, what is the absolute, like, rock bottom you can go. And I, w- I want to say that it was five. All right. Maybe. And then I, 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 I hesitate to, to include the um, how to panel panel because that yeah. was sort of a... That was, a, that was like an ensemble thing that Tori and Tobias and I all did. Um, and we got, we had one guy in there for a while who was a staff member and we basically just like sat and talked with him about the panel and Tobias like showed him a bit of it. And we just sort of had a conversation with that, but then he pu- he got pulled away and then about 15 minutes before our panel, panel slot was supposed to be over a, uh, a girl who was probably like 10 or 12 and her dad came in and they were just like, so what's in this room? And I was just like, oh, this this is a panel about the art of paneling. And she was like, okay, that sounds neat. So they both walked in and sat down <laughs> All right. and uh, sh- she sat like almost in the front row, if not in the front yeah, row. And her dad row. sat in the back. And then Tobias just kind of started over the panel from, from the beginning and just we went through it kind of quickly. And uh, she, she was just like you know just sitting there very attentive sort of nodding her head saying uh-huh uh-huh it was she seemed very engaged it was it was pretty cool and and uh i i hope that she comes back and does a panel that'd yeah. be cool
2: i've never had to like speed panel before but so that was really fun yeah like 15 minutes to do the whole thing
1: yeah yeah well that's neat yeah it was pretty neat pretty uh pretty unique little little thing but um yeah, ARC was fun. Small con, but uh, it was a good time. Yeah, I mean the number yeah, really, I really is the, sorry. Yeah, I really wanted to go
3: this year, but I got stuck working on call, so there was yeah. no way I was going to be able to drive out to Asheville and do panels and yeah. also not get called in to do work. Yeah, yeah. So I was just like, I really can't this year, but next year definitely.
1: Yeah, I, can, I mean, you you kind of know you kind of know how ARC goes. You've you've been before, so I mean, it's, I had a it's lot a, of fun though. Yeah, it, it's fun. It's it it is what you make it in a lot of ways. What what which is like you know most cons, big or small.
2: But uh, right. You know, arc yeah. was a good time. Yeah, I good mean people, we had, you, usually for those small things like you know the cons enjoyable in mm-hmm. of itself, but you kind of gotta have to do your own thing. So like we went out to like eat at a brewery and I was I hadn't been to the lab in a while. You know you mentioned Dover tea. I, I think I've been there. This is my third time maybe there in the mm-hmm. years that I've been here. So that was kind of fun to revisit with friends and yeah, just kind of hanging out with people. I make mean, that makes it.
1: Yeah, for sure. All right, Ryan. Well, it's been a hot minute since you've been on the show. I think it's been since I want to say Batman. I think so, that's uh, about right. Yeah. Yeah. Just let us know what you've been up to. Well, I've been busy as heck.
3: Like work has been grilling me and I've been doing a lot of work in order to get more vacation time so I can go to New York in September and then I can go to AWA right after I get back from New York. Um, but other than that, I started watching Steven Universe, which even though I heard the fandom is vicious, I actually am enjoying a lot because I'm staying off of Tumblr.
2: Yeah.
1: Yep. Um, <laughs> it's a good show. Which It is, I yeah. Think you're, I think the, the the most of that storm has kind of subsided at this point. So yeah, I, think, it I don't think you have has. anything to worry about.
3: But I, I'm enjoying it, and um, cool. what else am I watching? I'm more playing than anything. I finished uh, Tomb, Ra- Tomb Raider recently, the remake. Um, oh, the
1: the uh, original, like the uh, no. PS3 one?
3: Yeah, yeah, the PS3
1: one. Oh, yeah, dude, that's a good game. It was really
3: good. I also started playing Octopath Traveler on the Switch, and oh, yeah. I have a story about that, so... <laughs> Fourth of July, I went to see Marissa, and we went to meet. I, I went to meet her family, and that was that was a trip. And um, I had went out and bought Mario Mario Tennis Aces on the Switch before that because I was like, you know, this actually looks like the N sixty four one that I love dearly in my heart because it's nostalgic for me.
1: And it was it was bad, like really really bad. So really, <laughs> yeah, it was you didn't awful. Like it? I hated it. No, I couldn't Man, stand it. I. I've heard the exact opposite from so many people, so that's interesting that you didn't like it, so. Yeah, no, I was couldn't your, stand it. What like, was your issue with it?
3: The advanced mechanics ruined the game.
0: Hmm.
1: Yeah,
3: so... I I went back to GameStop and I was like, hey, I want to return this game. And they're like, hey, you opened it, though, so you can't do that. I was like, hey, how am I supposed to know if this game is garbage before I open it? And they were like, that's a a fair point. So (laughs) I spoke to one of the managers and they were just like, okay, well, normally we don't do this. But if you want to go and pick out another Switch game of equal or lesser value, we'll exchange it for you. And I was like, all right, I'll go do that because I figured there's at least one thing I can find that I want, and it just so happened that Octopath Traveler came out that day, which, if you don't know, is a
1: Square Enix RPG, and I am in love with it. It is yeah. so much fun. I love it. Man, you get you really wasted a chance to pick up Skyrim. <laughs> <laughs> You're implying I haven't already. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Hey, you missed a chance to get another copy of Skyrim. I already have enough. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I can't um, wait for Skyrim to come out on the TI-84 calculator next so I can get it on oh, that yes. too hey that'd be that'd be retro and retro is in If I know anything <laughs> about what the kids are into they like old crap yeah Um. well cool I uh, I hope to hear more about Octopath Traveler as you play it to see if that's something that I want to pick up because I'm very I'm very hesitant to buy any more video games because I've got so many video games that I haven't played yet so oh uh, I
3: to- I totally get that
1: yeah. I did I did to to your enjoyment, Ryan, I did finally start Persona Five and I've played finally. about Finally? Yeah, I played about four hours of it and I really, really enjoy it.
3: Yeah. You you haven't even you haven't even
1: begun Mr. Bones Wild Ride yet. <laughs> oh no, I have not. Um I have basically gotten through the tutorial palace or whatever. Yeah. Um with the with the coach guy. Um Yeah. Kamashida. Yeah, like I have I've, I haven't even met like I think the last character I met was on or something. It's like that's at the very beginning of the game. So, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm very excited to uh, to keep playing that game because that just the aesthetics are just so on point And that musical soundtrack is just mm, mwah, mwah, delicious. Yeah.
3: On that topic, one of the next few episodes we'll be recording actually is on the Persona 5 anime. And um, I'll be mentioning references about the game in that as well, because I'm going to be in that one,
1: too cool yeah that should be coming up probably probably in a couple weeks whenever that, that show wraps up yeah I gotta I got check the exact date so we can reschedule that one
3: because we actually intended on doing that one tonight and I was like uh no we're not doing that before the show finishes because if they change anything I'm gonna have thoughts about that <laughs> of course <laughs> yeah
1: but makes sense
3: yeah other than that I've been you know rewatching Haruhi for what the 12th time in preparation for this <laughs> Excellent. I I don't even
1: know the exact number, but I've watched that show a lot of times. (laughs) And on that note, uh, I guess we will transition into the topic of this week's episode, which is, like I said, in the beginning of the show. Uh, talking about 2006's The Melancholy of Haruhi Suzumiya. Uh, But real quick, before that, before we get into that episode, I just want to remind everyone of our uh, social media presence, where you guys can find us. Uh, We are available on Facebook at facebook.com slash thirdimpactanime. Uh, We also recently started a Facebook group, which is the Third Impact Anime Community, and it's actually going pretty well so far. Um, I think that everybody is sort of you know, realize that there's a small little tiny community here, mostly of uh, of, of our personal friends and, and other folks that we've met through, like, conventions and podcasts and all that stuff. So I'm uh, uh, really excited to see what that uh, what that little community can build, and I'm very excited for its existence, and I think you guys would agree. Um, yeah. And uh, we're also over on the Twitter at twitter.com slash ti underscore anime, where you can see all of our updates there. And uh, we're trying pretty hard to make sure that we post out there on social media and whatnot pretty regularly to let you guys know what we're all up to. And uh, please, if you have listened to any of our podcasts in the past, or if you're listening to this one now, or if you have attended any of our panels, uh, please pop over to our Facebook page and write us a little review and give us a star rating. That really helps us to... uh, To know where our strengths are to know where our weaknesses are and how we can be a better group overall So we would really appreciate that feedback and it is very 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 um, Appreciated I guess already said that it doesn't matter all right So (laughs) I should also uh, mention
3: (laughs) at the time of recording the group is currently on a binge of anime bingo Yes It's a oh, it's a lot of meme. fun. It is it is my favorite meme of 2018 so far because it's oh, very man. it's so fun to see like all these things. And unfortunately, I have yet to get bingo because on so many people's I'm like one away in about 12 different places. Yeah.
1: Yes. It, it's and it's interesting to see if that like one away ends up being like a single show that you just know you haven't seen but like all of these other people that you know have oh it's it's always that man yeah i i love it it's it's great to see like
3: it's literally just building the community through a wholesome meme
1: Yeah, pretty much like that and and how you can bond with people that you know are fans, but you don't know exactly like where their fandom is and all that stuff and and how like deep into the rabbit hole they are. So it's it's neat to see how how different that can be and sort of challenge your challenges your expectations of what people out there have seen. So it's. It's pretty awesome. It's a very wholesome meme. So please come into the group, participate, enjoy, enjoy, For have fun. Sure. Give us give us your bingo cards. But anyway, we're gonna take a quick musical interlude, and when we come back, we will be talking about Harihi Suzumiya. All right, and we are back from that wonderful song from the show, and uh, Tobias is going to start us off with giving a little bit of background about where the melancholy of Haruhi Suzumiya came
2: from. So if you want to take it over, Tobias. Yeah. So uh, the mass media franchise known as Haruhi Suzumiya originated, uh, unlike uh, a lot of the series of the time, it's tend to be manga adaptations, uh, this originated as a light novel series. Uh, this was started in 2003. It was serialized in a magazine just for light novels called The Sneaker. That uh, The magazine was uh, created by Karakawa Shoten, who was putting out a number of light novel series at the time, hold the majority of the market share there. Uh, the Melancholy of Haru Suzumiya the series was written by Nagaru Tanigawa. With illustrations by Noisy Ito, so Tanigawa is mainly known for the Haruhi novels themselves. He's written a couple other stories, but you know Haruhi's his main uh, main series. There, he has uh, written one manga series from 2011 called Amnesia Labyrinth, which uh, did get a U.S. release here by Seven Seas. Uh, I think there's just a couple of volumes there, but it didn't really take off in the same way Haruhi did. Uh, he also co-wrote the script for the original Blackrock shooter OVA from two
1: thousand and nine uh, as of now that's a very interesting oVA um I watched it back in the day and uh it it's it's a strange little thing but the uh the action choreography was done by Hiroyuki Amaishi from uh, trigger yeah that's right so uh so if you if you want to see some really stellar action animation check out like a uh, some of the fight
2: scenes from that show so they're they're pretty nuts yeah i mean i I don't really remember that show for the script, for the actual narrative. Really just the uh, you know the fun action scenes there.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But uh, as of now, all of his series are currently on hiatus. The last work he did was a Haruhi short story called Random Numbers, uh, published in 2013. So even then, we haven't really heard of anything in the, you know, the Haruhi-verse for a few years now. Uh, ah, so we haven't heard anything you know, in the Haruhi-verse for a few years now. Yeah, That'll he
3: be, said he has like ideas for another book or two, but there's honestly, I would not be surprised, and I wouldn't really even complain if we never saw it because there's there's a lot.
2: Yeah, like
3: there's more than enough to satisfy you.
2: Yeah, I gotta agree with that. But uh, moving on here, the illustrator for the light novels, because again, uh, light novels tend to be uh, pretty well illustrated in a very manga style to sort of capture this younger audience that loves that you know that 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 whole aesthetic. Uh, the illustrations are provided by Noisy Ito, who previously worked on the art for the Shakugan no Shana light novel series, and of course contributed the character designs to that anime series. Uh, she also worked on character design for the 2012 series Another, as well as contributing character design for Concrete Revolution in 2015. Uh, has a couple credits working on adult games at a company called Unison Shift. And uh, most recently, just contributed some character design for the Fire Emblem Heroes uh, mobile game. Are you still playing
3: that, Ryan? No, I stopped a while ago. Gotcha. I, I quit. I quit all gotcha games recently because I was playing Kingdom Hearts and I bought into like premium, and I like literally hated myself for it, considering my pull was utter garbage. And I'm just Oof. like, I can't do this anymore.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you're you're a smart man. Yeah, so manic. I
3: I I literally just deleted the app Cold Turkey and I deleted all other Gotcha <laughs> apps I have.
1: Oof.
2: Yeah, it's, it's, I, I wish I was that brave. It, yeah, with the market changing all to gacha being the primary format for any game, it's it's difficult for me to really like playing mobile games anymore. It's really unfortunate. Yeah,
3: it's
1: unfortunate. I stick to Picross mostly now. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I was going to say, yeah, there's always Tetris. Yeah, that too. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, moving on here, like I said, these started as light novel series uh, in 2003. It ran through 2011, over uh, 11 volumes. Uh, 10 volumes were released here. I should say that the last two were sort of consolidated into one book. Uh, then, of course, in 2006, we get the adaptation, the anime adaptation by Kyoto, uh, KyoAni, Kyoto Animation. So uh, at the time, Uh, KyoAni wasn't the powerhouse that we know of them now. They've been around since 1981 uh, with some staff from Osama Mushi Production, sort of founded founded their own studio. Uh, they mostly did like animation assistance and background painting and just in-between art for a whole heckin' lot of anime series. Like if you find Kyoto Animations uh, Anime News Network encyclopedia entry, there's a whole list of stuff and they've worked on a lot. So for instance, they contributed to Inugasha, uh, Kimigayo Orange Road, and like Nurse Witch Kamugi, little OVA series I remember seeing quite some time ago. Uh, about. Uh, early in the early two thousands, they started working on uh, like being the main producer for a few series, starting off with the Full Metal Panic spinoffs, uh, Fumofu and the Second Raid, uh, as well as you know the whole Air Canon, uh, all of those uh, uh, visual novel adaptations. Adaptations uh, of uh, key works, I think. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. All those. I mean, I'm going to be honest. All those kind of run together for me. So it's just there's just that no, one I particular aesthetic that I kind of compound, you know, compound with each other. So yeah, they kind of that got their start.
1: classic, uh, classic early 2000s Ugu
2: aesthetic. Yeah, Ugu <laughs> is right. Uh, yeah, so they got to start adapting those. Uh, and then Haruhi was one of their first, I say, breakout hits. I mean, we'll go into more of the cultural impact of Haruhi, but I think it's really what gave them just the, you know, the popularity and the sheer amount of, resources to continue doing the other stuff they've done uh, of course after they went on to lucky star just about a year later uh, kaon a few years after that and most recently free and miss kobayashi's dragon maid as well as getting into the movie making business with a silent voice and austin did you want to say a little bit at this point about their their deal
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, so Kyoto Annie's a very interesting, a very unique studio for for many different reasons. Um, one of them is primarily, most obviously, is that they are Kyoto Animation, which means that they're you know based in Kyoto, Japan, rather than Tokyo, where most of the big anime studios are located. Um, so they're kind of outside of that sort of general anime production bubble area. Um, it would be kind of the a similar thing of like, you know, how most American films are made out in Hollywood.
2: Um, Kyo Annie would be like, I don't know, Texas or something like that. I I don't know. I mean, kind of bringing it back to like, even mentioning Steven Universe earlier, the cool thing about that show is that most of the animators at Cardi Network are based out of California. But uh, mm-hmm. Rebecca Sugar and Ed Jones Cordy, the you know, creators of Steven Universe, are based out of New York originally, and they moved to California oh. to do the show. And that's one of the influences you see in that production is how, like, in general, they come from a different scene, a different school of thought.
1: yeah like like there's there's nothing inherently wrong with it but typically when a lot of media is made like in the same geographical area by like the same people that have been there for a long time there does sort of there there ends up with this sort of bubble mentality um, where everybody sort of has the same approach the same like quote-unquote conventional wisdom about certain things Um, and that's a lot of what you see in anime because so much of it is made in tokyo but with kyo you know being in you know in in an older an older town which kyoto is like the the ancient capital of japan it's it's yeah. not it's it's still very metropolitan but it's not as metropolitan as tokyo so it just has a different vibe about it and i'm sure some of that bleeds into uh into kyoani in, in probably ways that we as you know very very removed american fans may not necessarily notice but we can definitely see that there is some something something unique and different about the kyoani style compared to sort of the other sort of uh Boxed, sort of canned light novel anime that comes out um, in the same sort of like uh, slice of life or like school school comedy, school drama stuff that you see from other studios, uh, for instance. Um, another thing that is unique about Kyoani is that while most animators working in the Japanese animation industry uh, are paid by the frame, uh, Kyoani's staff is actually salaried, which is very unique. Um, oh, wow. They um, most of the time people have this like common misconception that budget is what makes for quality anime that's all. That's not necessarily the case because even if you watch some of Kyo Annie's more I will say not as good works stuff like I don't know Myriad Colors Phantom World from a couple years ago like it still looks incredibly nice um, and they are they are sort of working off of very modest budgets they're not working on like ridiculously high sums of money to make their products they just have a very dedicated staff that you know doesn't have to you know sort of live in fear of them not being able to pay rent or eat um, because the studio treats them well that they can take more time uh, and effort to work on their uh, on their craft um, and that's the same thing with the with the uh, the uh, the big wigs of the studio as well like since it's a very small studio um there's only about six in-house directors and they pretty much direct everything at the show like those six individuals have directed the majority of stuff that Anity has made since their sort of haruhi days and a little bit before back with full metal panic and whatnot um and uh a, almost and a significant portion of those six uh, individuals that are the directors are women. Uh, for example, Naoka Yamada is a pretty prolific uh, female director these days in anime. She was the director of both seasons of K-On! and the movie. Uh, she directed uh, uh, Tamako market I think that was her original concept as well and she also directed a silent voice Uh, so she's pretty prolific and I don't remember her name off the top of my head but another uh, female director that works there directed Free and all of the movies uh, associated with that Um, so there's a lot of interesting and unique things about KyoAni that sort of set it apart from uh, other studios
3: yeah they always like a lot of those shows that we listed like they're all really good Um, yeah like yeah, they they produce quality work pretty much nine times out of ten. Even they if it's do. not for me, even if it's not for me, I can acknowledge that it's like well done.
1: Definitely, like they definitely have that that like quote unquote kyoani style, whatever it is that that means, and that doesn't appeal to everyone. But like I don't, I don't think you could make the argument that what they make is not quality. It might not be what you're into, but it's really it's really quality stuff.
2: What do you mean yeah. you didn't
1: like myriad colors phantom world? <laughs> i mean did, it wasn't <laughs> you didn't like like ghost limbo come on how can you not like that okay listen it wasn't stupid enough okay
2: <laughs> i don't know man it was pretty damn dumb it was too smart for me <laughs> i never thought i'd be hearing that about that show but here we are in, in hell world 2018 so to kind of push on in here, the uh, the anime adaptation for Aruhi, we mentioned, you know, uh, KyoAni being the production studio. The series director was Tatsuya Ishihara, who uh, directed, like I said, the early visual novel adaptations, Air slash Canon slash Uh Again, is there really a difference between these? I don't think so. Uh, but then later would go on to direct Nichijou, Love, Chunibyo, and Other Delusions, and uh, Sound Euphonium.
3: Nichi is clearly when he had a drug problem.
2: Well, I mean, it was an adaptation by uh, Ravi Keiichi, and he is yeah. uh, like reading, both, both, like you know, reading or watching Nichi and now reading City. Uh, he's got a very interesting mindset about things. So yeah. is, is Helvetica Standard a different work? It. I don't really know. Uh, honestly you can buy it separate the manga separate uh, at least the vertical mm-hmm. release so i'm gonna think so okay it definitely has Is a different that, style I mean, than nichijou
1: i know that that's referenced in Joe a ton yeah but i didn't realize that it was like something on its own i thought it was just like a small like bit thing in nichijou then i saw it like for sale on its own on the shelves so and I, what do i know
2: I, <laughs> I don't think anybody knows anything about his works
1: yeah cool
3: they are an enigma wrapped in a mystery.
2: <laughs> and uh, lastly, uh, we'll, we'll talk about the, the plot itself in a second, but the last notable thing I feel like with the original anime release was that the show was originally broadcast in a non-chronological order, with the first episode being you know, the infamous movie that they make and then moving into a more linear fashion, and then the show kind of jumps all over the place for season one. And then later, when Season 2 came out in 2009, they originally uh, they started re-airing the first season. Uh, it was found out that the run was going to be the full 28 or so episodes, rather than the 13 or 14 that would have comprised Season 1. Uh, yeah. So people were assuming that season two was going to air right after season one, as would make sense for most of our you know anime series. But rather, they aired the entire series, both seasons one and two, in a full chronological order. So uh, season two, uh, alongside the you know the infamous endless eight, all aired right in the myth, smack dab in the middle of season one, or what we would think of as season one, but being released all in chronological order. Uh, the release we would get here in America, starting in 2007, with I believe Aniplex or Bandai bringing that over here. It was Bandai. Uh, right, right. Uh, the original release with a collector's edition with the English dub. They had in chronological order on the disc. There was also a sub-only broadcast order version, uh, standard edition, released at the same time. Very mm. interesting, non you know asynchronous release with that.
3: Yeah, the broadcast order. I've watched it both ways, and I I do not enjoy the original broadcast order because it's it's weird. Like, I
1: will un- I will unfortunately say that um, at least as horror he is currently available on streaming, it is listed in broadcast order, which I think is very unfortunate because that's how I ended up rewatching it for this time around, and I can agree with you, Ryan. It's uh, no wait, just kidding. It's released in chronological. Yes. So yeah,
2: I was gonna talk about that later, but if we want to go ahead, yeah, um, yeah, I mean you can Well, we
1: we can we can come we can come back to that and talk about that a little bit more after we figure out after like we discuss what the actual story is about because then then once we give that context, it can make sense as to why like there are di- significant differences between the two. Yeah, let's do that. Okay, so before we get there, we want to do a quick uh, cast breakdown to let you guys know. Who? what actors are featured in the dubs for this show. So we're going to go through the Japanese voice cast and the English voice cast. And some of these individuals I was very surprised to see. Uh, So we'll just go ahead and get started right here. So we have... Uh, as Kyon in Japanese, we have Tomokazo Sugita, who is a uh, two, 2008 Society for the Promotion of Japanese Animation Award winner uh, for Best Actor for his performance as Kyon. Uh, he would also play uh, Gintoki in Gintama, the main character, uh, Young Joseph Joestar in 2012's JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, and Yusuke in Persona 5. So in English, uh, Kyon is played by Crispin Freeman. Who is most well known as playing uh, Alucard in Helsing? He's also Shizuo in Durarara, uh, Togusa in Ghost in the Shell, and Winston in Overwatch. For interview. don't forget
3: Itachi in Naruto.
1: Oh, that's also true. I just didn't put that in there, but yeah, you're right. I did read that as well. Yeah. Um, So uh, playing Haruhi herself in Japanese, we have Aya Hirano, who also played Misa Amane in Death Note, Uh, Konata in Lucky Star, this will come up a couple more times with the Lucky Star connection, Uh, Dende in Dragon Ball Z Kai and Dragon Ball Z Super, and Lucy Heartfilia in Fairy Tale. I'm not sure if she played Lucy throughout the entire run because I know that she had some health problems, uh, but I know that she did originally start out playing, playing Lucy in Fairy Tale. Uh, In English, Haruhi is played by Wendy Lee, uh, who is a very, very old school voice actress who's been in the industry all the way from basically the beginning with uh, Robotech uh, back in the day. And she probably most iconically played Faye Valentine in Cowboy Bebop. Uh, She's also Kanata in Lucky Star um, and Queen Serenity in the new English dub of Sailor Moon from uh, Viz that started releasing a couple of years ago. So as Mikuru, we have Yuko Yuko Goto uh, in Japanese, who plays Hiro in Hitamari Hiro- Sketch, Ayano in Lucky Star, uh, Madoka's baby brother in Madoka Magica, and she is a big fan of motorcycles, and that is very uncharacteristic of her because she is most known for playing like weird, not, well not weird, but like cute moe characters, so it's, it's cool that she's into bikes, it's kind of neat. Uh, So, uh, in English, uh, Mikuru is played by Stephanie Shea, who is in a billion things. No doubt you've come across Stephanie Shea at some point if you watch anime in English. She's in a ton of stuff. Uh, She is Orihime in Bleach, she is Hinata in Naruto, she is Mamimi in Fulikuli, she's Yui in Keon, she's Usagi in The New Sailor Moon, she's Mitsuha in Your Name, and she's also a pretty prolific ADR director, she works pretty often uh, on the G-Kids English dubs of their anime films from the past couple of years, and they also do uh, ADR production for some of the other foreign films as well. And she works pretty closely with uh, Michael Centerniclus, who is a uh, also another fellow voice actor um, who founded the studio NYAV Post, uh, which is the company that does a lot of those dubs that uh, GKids outsources their uh, their production work to. And she uh, she's done the ADR for. Um, ADR directing rather for uh, for your name and Lou over the wall I know for sure and I think she worked on welcome to the space show as well and a, cu- and a couple more things so if it's from G kids and it's anime she probably worked on it in some way or another. So as Koizumi in Japanese we have Daisuke Ono who is a very very popular very prolific Japanese voice actor. Uh, he has won multiple Seiyu awards. Um, Again, he's kind of like Stephanie Shea. Like if you've been watching anime in the past like ten years or so, you've probably come across him. He is Sebastian <laughs> in Black Butler. He's Jotaro in Jojo's
2: Bizarre Adventure. What? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine I, isn't that weird? <laughs> just imagine Jotaro like in a, a North high school a green jacket. <laughs> or imagine Koizumi right? like in the Bancho outfit. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Koizumi just summon uses his Esper powers to summon Star Platinum.
2: Well, yeah, Star Platinum would be Kion.
1: <laughs> Probably, yeah. Oh, my lord. Could you imagine? Yeah, he's also Shizuo in Daraara, which is funny because Crispin Freeman was Shizuo, but he played Kion, but, you know, never mind, whatever. Uh, Daisuke Ono is he's, he's also uh, Irwin in Attack on Titan, and this one's for you, Ryan. He is Nightwing in Batman Ninja. Oh, nice. Yup. Which he says, like, three things, but whatever, he's in it. Yeah. So as Koizumi in English, we have Johnny Bosch, another very popular... English voice actor. He played Lelouch in Code Geass, Ichigo in Bleach, Vash the Stampede in Trigun. He's also Kaneda in a, the uh, 2004 dub of Akira. Uh, he was actually at Arc this weekend, so I got to meet him and get his autograph. He's a pretty pleasant dude. Yeah, I remember um, him
3: at Triad a couple years ago as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's a he's a nice guy. So if you ever get a oh, chance yeah. to meet him, don't be uh, don't be afraid. He's he's cool. Um, he was the Black
3: Ranger too. That's really cool.
1: Yeah, and the he i think he was the black ranger in one thing and then he was also the green ranger in another thing i don't know i don't know i just something. i just
3: remember seeing him as black ranger as a kid
1: okay power rangers something something yeah um so as yuki nagato in uh japanese we have minori chihara uh she has worked for Kyoani on a bunch of different projects after uh haruhi Suzumiya, she worked uh, she played Mitsuki in Beyond the Boundary, she's Kaori in Sound Euphonium, and she is most recently Erica in Violet Evergarden. Um, as Yuki in English is Michelle Ruff. Uh, she's probably most known for being uh, the most frequent and most probably most well-recognized voice of Fujiko Mine in the Lupin the Third dub. Um, where people would mostly know her from would be from the uh, Genion dub of the uh, Red Jacket series that aired on Toonami, and uh, that dub is is still out there and available. It's on Crunchyroll as well. Even though they didn't get through the complete series of that, they dubbed a lot of it. She also returned to the uh, Fujiko Mine TV series to play Fujiko there as well. Uh, She also played Yoko in Gurren She is Anri in Dararara, and she is Luna in the new uh, Viz dub of Sailor Moon.
2: You kind of skipped over who who acts Shamiya who uh who voice acts shami son. Oh my god. I did not grab that. Uh not important. It is important. It's probably Hideaki Aano. Probably. He does all the cats.
3: Yeah. Otto, Otto himself oh, probably. that's a good question. That. I
2: really want to know now. I say I've got it pulled <laughs> up. Uh Japanese Kenichi Ogata who uh pff, he played uh is this the main guy in My love story? No? That's that's different. Never mind. What am I talking about? He
1: <laughs> he is the Japanese voice actor of Brain from Pinky and the Brain. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> that,
2: that actually makes a lot of sense.
1: He's of Miyoga. There. He's Miyoga and Inuyasha. He's, he's uh, what? He's he's
2: one of the cats in Cheese Sweet Home.
1: Nice, which makes a lot of sense. He's in Sergeant Frog. Detective he's,
2: Conan. He's in a lot of those movies. He,
1: He's the one old man hero in uh, My Hero Academia, Gran Torino. Oh my gosh, I didn't realize <laughs> that was that character's name.
2: Yeah. yeah. Oh man, that's that's great. Shawnee son is Gran Torino.
3: I'm pretty oh, sure it's a Lord. reference to Clint Eastwood, but I'm not entirely probably. certain.
2: Yeah.
1: Oh yeah. I, probably so. Or or the car, because I know that that's that's what that name comes yeah, from. Yeah. Oh, let's see. He's um Steve Kramer and Michael McConaughey. Michael um, McConaughey? No, not that one. <laughs> oh. I'm sure he gets that a lot. Um, I know Michael McConaughey is the guy that played um, um, Charles Britannia in um, in Code Geass. He also oh, okay. plays
2: Berserker in the Fate movies.
1: Oh. Nice. nice. So he just growls a lot? <laughs>
2: just, just like Shamisa. <laughs> 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 Perfect.
0: <laughs>
1: cool. Yeah. Perfect. That'll
3: be $10 million.
1: <laughs> yes. Expensive cat. Yeah. All right, Ryan. So do you want to just give us a general breakdown about what the heck Haruhi Suzumiya is even about?
3: Yeah. So it um, at first glance, it seems like your ordinary run-of-the-mill slice of life. And you're introduced to Kion, who's pretty much like the most cynical 14-year-old you'll ever meet and he meets Haruhi, who is the entire entire polar opposite of him. She's a very eccentric girl who's obsessed with the supernatural, specifically with aliens, time travelers, and espers, or in case you don't know that term, it's like magical creatures. And he somehow gets roped into helping her establish her own club when she realizes she doesn't like any of the clubs at the school after trying out for all of them and being good at all of them. <laughs> um, so they form the SOS Brigade, which stands for Spreading Excitement Over the World with Haruhi Suzumiya Brigade, and it's shortened to SOS. And um, Haruhi later recruits three of the additional members, being Yuki Nagato, the shy, uh, the uh, bookworm who doesn't really talk much, the timid Moe Makuru Mikir- Asahina, who is best girl and the mysterious transfer student itsuki koizumi and it just so happens that each of those are revealed to be an alien a time traveler and an esper although i would tend to argue that nagato is not really an alien more of like a robot Uh,
1: they kind of use it interchangeably like kyon refers to her as an alien but she establishes herself as a robot so yeah alien
3: yeah yeah but like the funny thing is Kion knows this Haruhi has no idea so they all reveal to Kion that Haruhi is actually some like really high-powered godlike entity who has the power to shape reality at her whim and they're all part of various organizations that want to observe her and or control her uh, which they don't really get into in the show actually and the show follows their misadventures together and all of the weird things that happen Haruhi has no idea that they're happening at all which is hilarious but it also makes her really annoyed sometimes (laughs) but um yeah that's that's a fairly brief synopsis of it it's it's a lot of fun uh the show's broken up into multiple arcs they follow I think the show follows up through part of the Psy um the that's one of the light novels um it cover it covers four of them um but yeah that's that's a brief synopsis so um if we want to jump into what we thought of it we can do that now
1: cool um real quick i just wanted to go around the table and just uh so ryan since this is this is such a this is a series that means a lot to you you're you're a really big fan of it how did you first how did you first uh find yourself uh Watching Haruhi Suzumiya, and what did you think of it the first time you watched it?
3: Okay? So here's my story with Haruhi, and here's why it's so important to me I was like severely depressed one year due to you know life happenings and I was sitting in my chair at college, you know being depressed and one of my friends recommended watching Haruhi because it was his favorite show and he was like yeah you, you probably really like it so I decided you know what the heck I'll look it up and I couldn't find it on streaming because it was not licensed at the time so the first time I watched Harvey, I watched it on a YouTube channel oh, that wow. had the entire series um, and so is I am this meeting... like
1: circa 2013 or so
3: oh uh, yeah that's exactly when it was actually
1: okay cool gotcha
3: <laughs> yeah um, so yeah so i watched it all on youtube and i absolutely loved it uh i watched the entire thing and then the disappearance in about a week yeah and i had gone into anime club uh at nc state that monday gotten the idea to watch it and i came back the following monday and he was like how do you like the show and i was like yeah i'm done and he was like what <laughs> and he asked me he's like The first thing he asked me is like, "Did you watch all of the Endless A?" And I said yes, (laughs) and he went good. So,
1: yeah. So that uh, show—I would argue with him on his definition of good, but carry on.
3: I actually agree with him, but I'll get to that later when we actually specifically talk about that monstrosity. Um, (laughs) So, like that show got me out of my funk for like the first time in like a couple months. So I really like it for that reason, but it's also—it's just a lot of fun and. There's a ton of material for it, which I always like when I find a show that I like. Even yeah. if I can't watch it, I can read it. I can, you know, mm-hmm. play it. And, yeah. So, it, it just resonated with me, and I'm normally not the biggest fan of Slice of Life's, but this one's not your ordinary
1: slice of life. Mm-hmm. For sure. So, Tobias, how did how did you first come across Haruhi?
2: So, uh, I watched it as it was coming out, uh, right and maybe an episode or two is out. I kind of discovered it on the internet, well, on the internet as you do. Uh, I downloaded the first episode which is the movie, the like horrible <laughs> quality movie episode and uh, as most people at the time, I kind of wondered if I downloaded the wrong thing, because <laughs> yeah. it is not what it for all the hype that it was getting, I didn't understand it. But once I realized a few episodes in what they were doing, uh, at that point, I was really enjoying it. I introduced a good friend of mine at the time. Uh, I was pretty much just in college. Uh, a friend of mine I had met at Anime Club that was, uh, we kind of connected really quickly. Uh, I showed him this, and he also really, really enjoyed it uh, a whole lot more than me at the time. I a point where he he kind of identified as Haruhi for a little bit. Yeah. Uh, we he kind of we at that point uh, our anime club was like one era of anime club was fading, so we kind of took it over in a SOS Brigade style takeover, <laughs> where like you know, we we had, we had like the armbands made up, like we went in there and had that whole like I think when he was he was Haruhi and I was pretty much his his foil his Kion character. I had uh-huh. to like make sure he wasn't you know over the top, and we could actually get stuff done, so yeah, Haruhi is is pretty important for me as well uh, at that point. We all watched it we all really really enjoyed it uh we uh we were down on the episodes as they came out, you know, old school style, and you know a few years later season two came out, and at that point, I just didn't keep up. Uh, I heard about what the Endless eight was doing, and it didn't really <laughs> inspire me to watch it uh later, the movie came out, and we watched that together. Uh, just like we had done back then, we we found an old fan sub of it, uh, watched it then, and were completely blown away and reinvigorated by this. But uh, yeah, and like seeing the whole life cycle of the Haruhiism boom, with the original like you know, cra- everyone going crazy for for this series, going to conventions and seeing everyone do that dance and the cosplay, and then seeing it fizzle out was in and of itself a really interesting experience.
1: Yeah, it's kind of its own little like uh water cycle there because it 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 was so hot and then went so down and then went so hot again in a angry way and then <laughs> went back down and then went back up in a really like oh my gosh this movie is so good kind of way yeah. and then now it's, yeah now it's,
3: now it's pretty quiet it, it's been quiet for a while but we've had like a couple small things mostly like spin off media though
1: mm-hmm um, as for myself, I I uh, I knew about Haruhi back in uh, back in high school. I was I was hearing about Haruhi back whenever I was first like really really getting into anime around like 2007 2008 and whatnot because uh, that's when that's the first time I watched um, uh, like Bleach and uh, Gurren Lagon and things like that. So back in my early early high school days, and uh, uh, another member of this of the of Third Impact, Sarah, uh, she was we went to high school together. And uh, she was really into uh, into Haruhi at the time, um, but I didn't really get into it other than sort of in the in the very basic level of like, oh, I I, I can recognize these characters. I, I know sort of what Haruhi is about. Like I've seen this dance. I've seen like AMVs with like the Haruhi music and all that stuff. So I was kind of a, a bubble on the side of the bubble for of Haruhi. And if you want to put it that way. Um, it wasn't until probably a couple of summers later where, like, I finally, like, told myself, it's like, all right, I'm going to give the show a chance. I'm going to see, see if it's any good. So I downloaded a torrent of it because it, again, this was, like, right after Bondi went out. So it wasn't available anywhere. Um, so I downloaded that torrent. I watched it on a road trip. I watched, like, maybe six or seven episodes of it, um watched it then i i sort of enjoyed it i thought it was pretty good um i I was definitely not bored by it by any means i think that's that's one thing that this show is not which is boring um (laughs) except for the endless eight and but we'll talk about that in a minute yeah um but i I did enjoy it i liked kyon a whole lot like he was definitely like what kept me going with this show and i i think to a degree that's he's what's kept me going throughout the rest of it um because i didn't I didn't revisit season two or the movie until this podcast episode like I watched season one uh, way back a long time ago and just sort of dropped the series after that because I was like you know what I know what I know that the endless eight is ahead of me and I didn't really care enough about the story or the characters to really push through that um, so I kind of just dropped it like I watched a couple of like, I watched, like, the first two episodes of The Endless Eight, like, three years after I finished it, I'm like, yeah, there was a reason why I didn't, you know, finish up this show a couple years earlier, uh, so I never did until this podcast episode, so I finally finished up season two, watched all The Endless Eight, you're welcome, Ryan, um, Yeah, and then watched that movie, because that movie is freaking great, um, oh, yeah. so. Well, you say you watched
2: The Endless Eight, did you watch the episodes after The Endless Eight?
1: Yeah, like I've I've seen the whole thing now. Okay. Yeah, I've seen the whole show. Um, season I I think. I, so the torrent that I got was also in chronological order, so that's how I watched it. Yeah. So I've never watched it in um. Broadcast. In order. broadcast order, but like reading about it, I kind of understand why that's so much better. Um, and just thinking about it after having finished up the show in in chronological order, I can definitely see that. Yeah, probably broadcast order is better in pretty much every context um and again we'll we're going to talk about exactly what that means because ryan you can probably explain that a little bit better than than i could well you um, think broadcast order is better and i definitely don't (laughs) so yeah really
2: you think chronological is better
3: yeah for sure
2: i'm i'm the one that's all stand for broadcast. Okay, so do we, do we do we want to talk about our reasons to go? I mean, we're already kind of talking about it. So do we want to talk about it? Y-
1: yeah. yeah. Yeah, we yeah. probably should. Um but but like I was saying like um, um so I, I knew about it in the past, but only recently got like finished up with my horror experience like for this podcast and I will explain my reactions in due time. So, go ahead, Ryan, and walk us through exactly what this weird stupid broadcast chronological order bumbo jumbo is
3: all right so there's two orders to the show there's the broadcast order and the chronological order the original broadcast order broadcasted episode one of melancholy then i think one of the episodes of the island arc then episode two of the melancholy and it like it it broke up the melancholy arc over like Kind Pretty of, much the entire first season. I mean, it, started with yeah. the,
2: it started with the movie they made, and that yes. sort of gets oh, yeah. you interested in it. Then it shows the first two episodes of the Melancholy, the origin story. It kind of just gives you a, a taste of what's going on. I think it ends with the part where Yuki gets Kion in, in her house and tells him that something's amiss. And before yeah. we can fully explain it, it breaks over to the baseball game, where... This like in the, the baseball game is one of the later episodes chronologically. It takes place after the closed space incident with uh, Kion and Haruhi, so all our characters know what's going on, but we don't really. Yeah. And then so it kind it of goes back over until we get uh, the final episode of the Melancholy, one with you know Itsuki and you know the resolution of the closed space incident. That happens near the end of the series, the last few episodes.
3: Correct. So the broadcast order, yeah, it starts with the the adventures of Makuru Asahina, which was the, the home movie they made, then it's Melancholy 1 and 2, then it's The Boredom, then it's Melancholy 3, then it's The Island, it's The Mysterious Sign, then it's The Island again, then it's Someday in the Rain, <laughs> which is the last episode in chronological order, and then Melancholy again, then Day of Sagittarius, then Live Alive, then Melancholy and Melancholy. So it like... It's very, very
1: random, but I, the having um, someday in the rain as the lead to the movie makes sense. It just yeah. makes for such a bad ending to the show. I totally agree with that. And it is one of the two blemishes on
3: this show that I feel like it was really bad. <laughs> but then um, after that, it was like
1: fantastic because, you know, everybody loves the movie. The movie is quite good and I, I just personally I think it's a shame it, especially in thinking about Horry from a from like a 2018 s- perspective like that movie really is something that I think is very special and it's very resonant it has a lot of really really amazing scenes and some great character moments and some really good animation I just think it's such a shame that it's sort of hidden behind this wall of the series which is so like Either way, either, either, whatever way that you decide to watch Haruhi, I I think it's still such a, like, a, a fractured series in of itself because of just some of the decisions that were made that it's, it's such a, it's a lot to ask for someone, like, in 2018 to make that plunge just so that they can watch a really good movie.
2: I mean, I don't, I don't think it's that big of a commitment honestly uh sort of coming at it from the opposite angle i vastly prefer broadcast order because even though it's it's all just, it kind of skips over the place i feel like when we look at the actual filmography happening and the composition of the scenes uh it makes more sense than broadcast order like we get introduced to like the the, the weird movie that we it's weird, but we find out we know pretty early on based on Killen's narration that it's very tongue-in-cheek. The The mm-hmm. first episode ends with that, that camera angle where it shows our characters, it shows that it like wraps around Haruhi and like there's a very dramatic you know, introduction to her and then, you know, we get the introduction to who these characters are with the first two melancholy arcs and then I think you're, you're meant to be confused by the things happening because we already know that like Nagato's not who she seems initially, there are things that are going on. We start to piece together that Mikuru is also different and at that point, like Koizumi shows up in the baseball episode and we don't even know who he is yet. And honestly, I feel like that combined with the first episode being the movie, that's what really makes Haruhi interesting. Is that, like you said, when you go into the beginning, it shows up as a normal slice of life show. With, I mean, sure, she's a little wonky, and sure, like, you know, the, these characters show up that are wonky. But what really makes Haruhi stand out, and what really hooked a lot of us back when it first came out, was how just strange... It, you know, it, it didn't really, it played with your expectations, I think, with the original home movie and with the weird jumping around chronologically, you kind of had to play it by air. You know, we see the baseball episode, we know that, you know, Yuki's hacking the baseball bat. We see yeah. them kind of look. We see we, we see them look at each other when Harui does things. Uh, there's a point where she pulls up Mikuru's hair as a cheerleader, and she looks at Kyon really like an angry face because we mm-hmm. see later that he he likes ponytails, and she knows he likes ponytails, and it's little things like that that make you kind of like wonder why. But personally, I'm a fan of media that goes non chronologically. Uh, *Pulp Fiction* is still my favorite movie of all time, mm-hmm. and I can I think I think. Like it's, watching Harry in chronological order is like if you were to tell me to watch Pulp Fiction in or chronological order. It may make more sense if you're not really good at following separate stories, but as a piece of cinema, it would ruin the movie for me. Uh, likewise, this. And I feel like so the, the whole non chronological aspect of season one really made Harry stand out. And everyone likes to rag on Endless Eight, but. With a series like Haruhi and his pedigree, doing something very weird for season two was pretty much you know accepted, and even though I don't, I can't really watch all eight eight episodes of Endless Eight, really without doing something else. I really appreciate the you know, the sheer audacity of them doing that. Mm-hmm. And I think that makes it stand out for me. Uh you know, after the at the end of season two, we get the production of the movie. I like the fact that we see a lot of these conflicts happening between our weird characters. They are very obviously not on the same page. And there's a lot of things that happen behind the scenes there that we see in the whole movie itself. Like, there's a little but little references, little little um uh, I guess uh like uh conflicts that happen. So I feel like that kind of that makes it work as season two, and I, I I appreciate each season as being weird because of that. I I want gotcha. to I, I want to add a, a clarification to what I
1: said a moment ago. When I whenever I said fractured, I meant that. This show has a large barrier of entry in the fact that all of that stuff has to be explained to someone that does not otherwise know. And that would be any fan that is approaching it for the first time in 2018. Because like the way that Haruhi is made available right now, it is listed in 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 a specific way, which is in chronological order. So that's how most people are going to approach it. Whereas, at least in your opinion, Tobias, and I'm more inclined to agree with you that broadcast is like the superior way to absorb the story. I think that that is, that kind of can be intimidating for. For someone who could so much more easily just watch something else that is so much more easier to consume, I'm definitely pandering to the laziness that I expect people to have. But <laughs> most most of the time, it's been my experience that if people are going or have the option to be lazy, they're going to be.
2: So I'm gonna I'm gonna cut I'm not, you, say- I'm gonna cut I'm you not saying that
1: that's right, but it's just
2: kind of the way that it is. But please please disagree with
1: well, me. Well, I'm gonna cut you <laughs> because
2: you kind of cut off. I don't know if it's my internet, but you kind of cut off. Did Ryan did he do the same thing to you, or did you hear everything he said? He's fine. Okay. Uh, kind of sum up. What was your What was your main argument?
1: <laughs> so it was basically like the the idea of like the fact that this show has those different ways of watching it, and that one, at least in your opinion, and I'm inclined to agree with you, is more superior than the other. That's not the way that the show is presented to the general anime viewing audience here in in 2018. Um. So. I think I think that that's just a a lot to ask people to do a lot of like third party investigation. They're going to have to do to even think about starting to watch this show, because like the way that it's made available to us is in that is in an order that at least to you and to myself is inferior
2: yeah, I, I do think it's kind of I, I wish there were more of an option available. Because when I, I sat down to watch this, you know, I I went on Verve, I went on Crunchyroll, and both are only one option presentable. So I actually dug out an old sub fan sub that I had on my hard drive since forever ago. Uh, it yeah. turns out also that those are in chronological order, So I sat there with Wikipedia open because <laughs> because I'm an internet, yeah, I'm a crunchy old man, and I cannot watch it and in, and. In, uh, uh, I guess chronological order. So I sat down with that. I actually skipped around a little bit. I didn't watch the entire first season, but I've got the main bits. But yeah, I, I do. I I don't understand why it's not an option for people who want to watch so, it like that. Ryan, you've got the Blu-ray. So does the Blu-ray
1: do anything with that at all? Yes.
2: The oh, The Blu-ray. Wonderful.
1: The Blu-ray gives both. Awesome. So how how does that work? Like on disc, is there like a menu where you can select the episodes and they're like listed or? I actually don't know because
3: I didn't use the Blu-ray for this viewing because I ripped mm-hmm. the episodes when I got the Blu-ray. Okay. So I I used them on Cody, which is on my television. So I didn't use the Blu-ray itself. So I don't know. But in the slipcover, it directly explains, like, here's the ways to watch Haruhi. The chronological order, which is the order that is on the Blu-rays, or Kion then Haruhi, which is, like, the way the uh, broadcast order is broken up. Mm-hmm. And then there's the uh, the Japanese. There's a disc specifically for the Japanese dub. Uh, yeah, the the Japanese
1: dub that is in original broadcast order. Cool. That is that is very very nice that Funimation would do that because, like Tobias outlined earlier, the original Bandai release was a little bit even more unintuitive and knowing just how you know pricing and all that stuff was back in the day like if you wanted the quote-unquote full he experience you would probably have to buy it like twice like yeah. the the special edition japanese dub version and then the english version which and they probably didn't even make the distinction on the original dvds
3: probably not no because they didn't really care back then but harui one of those that like Especially among the community, it gets debated all the time. Like the, it should be noted actually. Like I'm on Reddit and I I subscribe to the horror Reddit because you know I'm I'm filthy like that. Uh, <laughs> in 2017, there was a rewatch going on, and it actually got voted to be rewatched in the broadcast order by a one percent difference. Oh, wow. oh boy, yeah, it was it was that close. So. Yeah, it's um it's heavily debated, but yeah, the the Blu-ray does make it easy. So, yeah, that's that's my thoughts on it mostly. Like I definitely prefer chronological order, but I definitely see the value of broadcast. But um watching it broadcast, like what did you guys
1: think of the show in general? Yeah, go ahead Tobias cuz you 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 probably had a more stronger attachment to it from the past, and I'm interested to see if your
2: feelings are like still the same. Oh yeah, um, for me it was very similar to our initial fandom of like Gurren Lagann, which we also watched as it was coming out. and It was a big deal for you know our, my like my college anime club group. We got into it. It was a very interesting uh, you know, experience because it was so different. It's really easy now to think about how overdone Slice of Life is and the visual novel adaptations and how samey they are. But really, this kind of started that boom, to be honest, in a lot of ways. So this was fresh in its own way. So that freshness really sort of sustained us. Uh, it's, it's a really funny show. There's a lot of funny references. Uh, I think the Island episode and that extended Phoenix Wright parody... Uh, still something I remember to this day. Yeah, so overall, I, I, I really enjoyed this show. When I was rewatching it here just for the podcast, uh, I found that I really enjoyed the original series as much as I did back then. I was kind of expecting myself to to wane on it, but no, it's still a really enjoyable watch. Uh, I found the characters, even Haruhi herself, uh, fairly relatable as far as anime characters are concerned. Uh, really enjoyed it the movie was still really fantastic i felt like really great way to cap off the you know the anime adaptation itself even though we don't still don't have a really ending to the story per se uh like ryan said earlier if that's the last we see of this series I, i'll i'll be content same cool
1: um what about you ryan because you, you kind of outlined a little bit about of that already but like as a show like how do you how do you feel about hierarchy it's a great slice of
3: life show. It, it's definitely fresh. It doesn't follow the same formula that most of them do. So I can definitely appreciate it for that. And um, it, it has fun. And like like Tobias mentioned, it, it parodies Phoenix Wright at one point, And it's just, it doesn't take itself too seriously. While at the same time, it does at points like the endless eight is a very serious arc with a very serious tone that you like can actually feel, but like the move, the entire arc where they make a home movie, that's like, that's a thing. So it's a perfect balance. And it's like, it's so well done. Like the actors all do a fantastic job of conveying the emotion of characters. And as somebody who's read all of the light novels and most of the manga,
1: um, like, they did a fantastic job I, I generally agree with both you guys even though I think that the show has some some flaws in it that I can't really get around that are that are definitely there uh, beyond sort of the 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 viewing method issues which are that's kind of a totally different thing I I try not to evaluate the show too much based on that I try and evaluate it more based on like the individual episodes and like the general story overall um, I think that one of the things that makes this show really, really good is that it has just such a absolutely fantastic and very down to earth and relatable narrator, uh, like Kion for all of his, you know, faults and all of his, uh, you know, uh, sort of attitudes towards things and how he can be kind of a downer sometimes he's like he's still such a genuine person and like still he's very very he's very good person but he's just very down to earth at the same time he's just a normal guy um and i think that that's what's really great about Kion because i feel like if we if we didn't have kyon's narrative voice in this show i feel like it would be extremely weak in terms of like the specific events and actions that take place in this show because that's not really what the star is it's definitely the characters here and Kion is like is definitely the star like Haruhi Suzumiya may have her name in the title but this is really the uh Kion like it could be called uh Kion's dealing with Haruhi Suzumiya and that would be that would be just a a fine title yeah pretty Um, much I think there are some jokes in the franchise that go on a little bit too often, uh, especially one in particular that I don't think ages very well at all, and that's like Haruhi always like putting Mikuru in very very compromising situations. Yeah, that and did not age well. Yeah. No, it. I mean, it was weird then. We just probably didn't perceive it. It's it's weird now too, and she just like the constant constant abuse that that character sort of has to undergo like even just like the little things um she's just so just beat up on this whole show I mean you you kind of you kind of get why she tolerates it because of the whole like alien stuff and she doesn't want to upset Harahi because she could destroy reality and and all that stuff but it's just not like those moments are not entertaining for me to to sit through i think there was
2: one there Um, was one slime that i really really liked uh really early on in the show when i think harry first gets the costume for when (laughs) Kion watches her walk away and he's like she has the back that looks just like a person who didn't get into graduate school or just bought their first house (laughs) it's just so relatable like oh man it's it's so sad (laughs) but it's so
3: it's so true (laughs) That's funny. <laughs> That's the thing about Keon also. He's fourteen and he knows like yeah. he knows how it feels to like not get into graduate school and I'm just like, dude, you were an old man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, like he doesn't seem like a fourteen year old. He seems very, you know, wise and uh intuitive beyond his age. The other thing about that though is like um he's narrating
3: pretty much as if he's like telling his kids this story. Yeah. So it literally mm. could be Kion is an old man talking about this.
2: Yeah. And to kind of add on to that point there, when we see a lot of these shows that are kind of Moe and, you know, haremesque esque like this show can be, uh, our main character, our main male character, usually tends to be this everyman kind of guy, and he turns out to be pretty blank in a lot of these series. Yep. But Kion is definitely not blank. He has his own personality. He's very quippy. He's very snarky. And, yeah, like, I feel like that is helps uh serve him as a foil to harry in ways that you don't see in a lot of these shows
1: no you really don't like a lot of people rightfully so are like the the light the main light novel male protagonist is sort of like the worst possible character you could think of and he's just so boring and terrible and that's sort of what the what the standard is but like Kion is is not that if if anything he is like the best example of like how to do a uh, light novel male lead the right way i think it actually helps that it's not that Kion
3: is an anime character he is a light novel character that's adapted so he's written well from the get-go
1: right right and i'm really glad that they decided to carry over his his voice into the uh into the show because like i said if it, if if what if the anime series adaptation that we got was just sort of them trying to explain in, like, visually and in action what Kyon is thinking, I think that would have been a much more difficult task, and it would have made the show a lot different in a bad way. And I think the fact that Kyon's narrative voice is so strong, like, I haven't read the original light novels, but I can assume that... The, the strength that we see in the anime is the same strength that we see in the novels. Um, the novels I'm, honestly do it better, but that's because, you know, it's a novel, they have more opportunity to. Right, of course. Um, yeah. but I'm just I'm just glad that they they made that decision to give him that narrative voice because it, it really does carry the show for me. Like that that's its saving grace for me, because I I liked it. I didn't love it, but Kion is what made me what it's what will he's what will make me think back on this show with with positive positive things gotcha
3: and yeah um about the light novels actually there's a few things that are like like super super different about it they're a lot less censored than the show because obviously you can't put certain things on like a syndicated broadcast and um he also explicitly despises Koizumi in the light novels. Like, during the Endless mm-hmm. 8 in particular, there's a scene where Koizumi's is riding on a bike with Makuru and he's describing in graphic detail how much he wanted to punch Koizumi's face. <laughs> and I'm he just young. like, yeah. Oh, like, man. He, he
1: hates Koizumi in the light novels. I'm glad um, that they didn't go that way, because that would have felt too, like, weird rivalry thing. And They kind of did, but it wasn't as yeah. bad. No, that's right. They definitely did that, but at they the relationship of between Kyon and Kozumi in this show is another thing that I really enjoyed because they they seemed like not quite friends, but a little bit closer than coworkers. Yeah. So that that's an interesting relationship dynamic that they had. Um, same with him and, uh, and Nagato as well. It was it was a very similar thing, even yeah. though they were kind of closer because they worked they worked together to solve problems more often the most interesting one of my favorite
3: things of the light novel the arc that I definitely prefer in the light novel over the the show is the island arc because there's a scene where they all are partying and get super super drunk <laughs> and it's like very heavily implied that Kion and Haruhi have sex like not explicitly said but like Makuru mentions something the next morning that's like kind of implying they may have and you're just like oh so this is a lot
1: more adult than the show is. Yeah, uh, a little bit glad that didn't make it in there too. So yeah, <laughs> I mean teenagers do wacky things, so it wouldn't be necessarily impossible. It just kind of it, it felt it would have
3: felt out of character in the show. Yeah,
2: it would have. I mean, I kind of I kind of enjoyed the whole will they won't they sort of aspect to that. I mean, because he he kind has a little bit of interest in the other girls as well. And, oh, he
3: has a massive interest in Makuru.
2: Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. That's, 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 and it's, it, it seems very mutual from their interactions, yeah. but even like later and in the movie, we see maybe a, like a possibility of Nagato, but it, it's very much a sort of, I don't know, like a, a harem type, uh, spoiled for choice there. But even though we know that, uh, I guess if you want to go into shipping terms, he and I are going to be at the end of the day.
1: Yeah. He, he pretty much gets shipped with everybody. Yeah yeah um you mentioned the drinking thing and that was another thing that just made me just really very uncomfortable is whenever they're shooting the movie and he has that other girl like get uh mikuru wasted to do that kissing scene i'm like oh god oh, yeah. please I, I i really wanted to turn off this this whole show because that was just just unfortunate and stupid but yeah. yeah and you
3: could see how like annoyed Keon was getting at her at at that point
1: yeah, and that's that's what I that's kind of was what the the saving grace behind that whole like little tiny uh plot thread was was that Kion just got so like rightfully upset at that and I'm like excellent. So Kion is Kion is being the voice of of reason, the voice of the audience here and and that made me very happy about how angry he got. Even though he probably should not hit Harhi and I'm glad that he didn't because if yeah. he d- if he did that also wouldn't have been good. So yeah, yeah, I'm glad that they uh that they did that in that direction. Yeah, the the stuff with Mikuru is very fan y in a lot of ways, but it is and it's really unfortunate cuz I could see how a lot of people wouldn't be into that, myself included, especially the way that they do it because so much of it is just her being, you know, pulled and prodded and in, in in various ways that she, you know, is very obviously uncomfortable with. Yeah. Um but uh I mean, the sh- the show is not just that. I don't I don't want to feel like I'm focusing too much on that, but it- it's definitely there. Um, the show is not is obviously not all of that, but it's it's definitely a part of it.
3: Probably like the funniest moment with like Makuru being kind of like the butt of like a sexual joke was in the disappearance when Kion is like kind of losing his mind over the fact that like this is not his world, and he's trying to talk to Makuru, and he's like, wait a minute. I know you have a star-shaped mole on your boobs. Show it to me. And she just freaks oh, yeah. out and I'm just like, "Oh my god, you dumbass, but I actually feel for you because you're kind of having an existential crisis right now." Yeah.
1: Right? It's like, could you imagine if someone that you had never met before had that like intimate detail about you that just yeah. no one else could possibly know unless someone was really close to you?
3: Yeah. Yeah. It was that, I think, that one was funny because I was just like, Oh my god, did you
1: really just do that?
2: And then he
3: immediately yeah. realized his mistake. He was like, Oh, uh shoot.
1: <laughs> okay, so that kind of leads into another question I had that is almost almost unrelated but still related. So do you guys like Haruhi? I guess we'll go to Tobias first. Do you like Haruhi? As a character, you mean? As anything.
3: I would never be friends with her in real life, but as a character, because she is a character and only a character, I thought it was hilarious, like some of the stuff she would do.
2: Okay. Tobias? I mean, if you're asking as a character, uh, I mean, I feel like it's kind of a, a difficult question just to give a, a straight-out answer. I feel like a part of a lot of her actions and a lot of her you know, things that we've mentioned really come as a sign of the times. Like, it did, again, a 2006 anime series... That was, you know, the cause of a lot of the weird troops that we see now. So, you know, not that that excuses any of her terrible actions or, you know, awkward actions, but I feel like it should at least be considered. Uh, I feel like she's my least favorite of the main cast. She's definitely my least favorite character. Uh, however, rewatching it now and seeing the episode where uh, it sort of recounts her experience at the baseball game, where she realized just how insignificant her life was yeah I feel like that really opens that really made me appreciate her more simply because we see that her motivation is this fear of being an average person of just living a life that is you know everyone thinks of themselves as being the main character in their story and she has taken that to the lot you know like extreme where she can't stand she's so afraid of the fact that everything around her is so mundane that she could get by without being a main character that drives her to you know do the whole thing on, on the field with the alien glyphs, uh, to be the weird character in middle school, and to start to be that cold character in high school, and to have Kion be this you know enabler, I guess on the one hand it's not great that he enables all of her attitudes, but the fact that he sort of gives her that in to be weird, to explore the things that about her that are, are different, to not be Ashamed of that and to just, you know, embrace that and embrace making this club, which I mean, sure is is weird and sure I don't like, you know, what happens to Mikuru in this case, but it is just a fun high school experience overall for these characters in the SOS Brigade. And that's what we see like in the movie is that by this time she's sort of calmed down enough where she's just there to have fun, whether it's, you know, decorate the club room in Christmas, uh, you know, garb or, you know, have a hot pot. You know, with everybody there, just trying to re, uh, trying to capture this, maybe not normal, but a fun high school experience. And I guess I can just understand that aspect of her character.
1: And I think what you outlined there is probably one of the big reasons why Haruhi was so resonant at the time, uh, because just thinking back to that era, like a lot of the popular anime that were, at least the popular anime here uh, in the U.S., were like uh, high fantasy, like and drama stuff like I'm thinking like Death Note and um, like uh, Bleach for example like stuff that's kind of a little bit removed from the ordinary and I I think that you know this show being a, a really good example of something that like takes place in high school with like relatively normal kids that uh, other high schoolers could sort of like see themselves, see their own friends, friend group in, is probably something that would have been very unique at the time. Like uh, high school shows are kind of a dime a dozen these days, uh, but back then they they weren't so much. So I would I would attribute attribute that the the normalcy of Haruhi, even in all of its weirdness, is sort of what set it apart from some of the other things that were coming out that were more more bombastic, more you know unrealistic I suppose yep and I'm sure a lot of people sort of saw themselves in these characters like uh, I don't I I won't speak for you guys, but like there are some aspects of Haruhi that I really identify with. There are some of them that I am repulsed by because like, oh no, I see myself doing some of these things sometimes. <laughs> or yeah. or I just or I've been around people that are like this and it's not fun or anything like that. And uh we all have, you know, had friends or acquaintances that are like Yuki Nagato, that are like Mikuru, that are like, you know, killing and Koizumi and stuff like that. So there is that element of relatability to it and I think that's definitely important um because you know plot plot aside like character is what really what really um propels shows into into people's minds and I think that this show has a a lot of that a lot of character agreed definitely a lot of the things that they did
3: don't hold up today but I still felt I still found it enjoyable because like I look at it a lot of it as like, it's, it's so ridiculous that I still find it funny, yeah. even though it's like, if I met you in real life, I probably would have hit you in the face. But, <laughs> um, there, there's just so much from the show that like, I still appreciate. And there, there's only a handful of things from the show that I don't like that. I really still to this day did not like or appreciate is one of those the endless eight? One of those is is the endless eight, and we can get into that in a second, but the other one is the uh is the final chronological episode, which features a like ten minute segment of literally just Nagato sitting in the club room reading.
1: It's her elevator moment. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but like, Speaking of that, um I well go go ahead, Ryan, and then I've got a I've got a cute little thing to, to add in there. Sure. So, I was watch- when I was watching
3: this for the first time, I, like, thought that the video froze or something, and so I, like, kept on <laughs> skipping ahead, and I was like, oh, man, like, the episode's broken, and then I started hearing, like, background noise, which I thought was coming from outside my window, and then I found out when I was, like, jumping back and forth, I was like, oh, wait, this is intentional.
1: Why? <laughs> <laughs> hey, just having a-, having a quiet day in the club room, the first time that ever happens. Yeah. <laughs> um so there were there were a couple of little cute moments that I noticed just watching through The Endless 8 and I guess that can lead lead into us talking about that. Um so you know how in The Endless 8 they always go to um get the job like passing out flyers in those um mascot costumes. Yeah. So there are a couple times they don't do it in every single episode, but they do it a few times. Uh, where Kion will say some some little quip after he takes his frog costume off uh-huh. and uh a couple like a lot of them are anime references um and I've got 3 of them written down here cuz from Endless 8 number 4 5 and 6 uh he makes two Gundam references and one Eva reference Uh, So in number four, whenever he takes off his frog costume, he says, I feel like a Gundam virtue after it pops its armor, which is a Gundam double O reference. And I think I think that that had come out shortly before this show. Right. And um, number five is an Ava reference. He says, I feel like unit zero after it got hit by that beam. And I'm thinking. Is he talking about like the Ramiel fight or whatever? I don't Probably. know. What, yes. It doesn't That's matter. That's what
3: I thought it was. I caught yeah. that one this time because <laughs> since since the last time I've watched this, I've
1: seen Ava. So yes. <laughs> and in in the uh in the sixth one he says another gundam reference he says i feel like i was just released from the Adzum leader beam uh which is another i think that's another gundam double o reference or a super robot wars thing or something but like the Adzum is like this weird spider mech thing so basically a uh, kiln is a freaking weeaboo oh yeah and uh he makes another uh eva reference i wrote it down in my phone it was in one of the um one of the episodes towards the end of uh of chronological order he says um oh no no it's during one of the scenes where they're shooting the movie and uh it's that scene where they're on the docks and um like you like Mikuru's about to do that thing with her eye that causes something to happen each time she does it Mikuru beam yeah exactly and then um like Yuki jumps on her to to prevent that from happening yeah um and he says um (laughs) kyon's behind the camera and he's like looking the scene is like through the lens of the camera like looking at nagato like sort of straddling mikuru and he he uh says to himself point put the target in the center and put press record which is like and he he delivers it in the same exact way that shinji says uh place the target in the center and pull the switch (laughs) like over and over and over and over again yeah Uh, it's so funny there's a couple, couple cute little quips like that, but Kion has Kion, Kion has a lot to say. He does, but yeah. So if we want to get into the
3: Endless Eight, so I probably am sure I would love to talk to somebody who watched the Endless Eight while it was airing because I don't know anybody who has. And me neither. Yeah. And when I was watching this, remember I told you I was watching it on a YouTube channel. So when you're watching something on YouTube, especially when it's technically bootleg, it's it could be inconsistent. So it started over, I watched that episode and I was like, all right, that was just a nice little like slice of life, summer adventures episode. And then it started off the exact same way. And I was like, I just watched this episode. That's weird. So I went to the next one and it started off the exact same way. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, what's going on? And so I went to the comments and then people were like, oh, it's the endless eight. And I was like, okay. So <laughs> I watched the second episode and I was like, oh, okay. So it is different. And then I kept going and I messaged one of my friends at one point, And I was just like, how long exactly is this going to go on for? And he was like eight episodes. And I was like, you're kidding me. And he told me, watch them all. It makes the movie better. So I did. <laughs> um, and the funniest thing that I saw while I was doing this, when I was scrolling through the comments, trying to figure out what the heck was going on, was probably one of the funniest things I've ever read on the internet. And I can't find it now because the original videos that I used are now gone because pretty much the moment Funimation got the rights, they got taken down. Yeah. But it was a YouTube comment that was on every single video of the Endless Eight, and it was something along these lines. It's like, I really wish everybody would stop blaming Haruhi Suzumiya for the Endless Eight. And he also, anytime he said her name, he gave the full Haruhi Suzumiya. And he (laughs) said, he said, I really am upset that everybody keeps blaming Haruhi Suzumiya for this because it's not Haruhi Suzumiya's fault. It's Yuki Nagato's fault. If you watch the if you watch the movie and come back to this, you'll realize I'm right. I know Haruhi Suzumiya and she would never <laughs> do that. And so I'm just like, oh, okay, so you're one of these. And he just goes on for like a straight paragraph about why his wife Haruhi Suzumiya would not do this to people and how it's actually Yuki Nagato's fault i send this to my friend jesse and to this day we quote that because it's just so
1: so funny to us my personal and... friend <laughs> oh yeah yeah harry He's a personal friend she would never do that <laughs> yeah it's it, it's pretty much
3: as much like credibility as when i say my personal friend rob Liefeld. yeah <laughs> and like whenever somebody like questions me on that i'm like oh yeah i have a picture with him <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just like, Tor-
1: it's like Tori at Disney World oh yes my my personal friend Mickey Mouse and I know for a fact he would never do that
3: yeah exactly and just <laughs> <laughs> reading that made the Endless 8 a little more bearable because I was just laughing at this weeaboos pain
1: <laughs> so that does but, bring up an interesting question I, I I don't I didn't put up together all the puzzle pieces about the Endless 8 and it being Nagato's fault I always thought it was Kion's fault because he didn't do his homework it's Kion slash Haruhi's fault
3: because Kion didn't do his homework, and it's Haruhi's fault because she wanted Kion to do his stupid homework.
1: That's true. Yeah, that's fair. That's that's Kion exactly took the reason. To figure that out. For,
3: it took him what was the number? Like thirteen thousand uh, loops before
1: he realized
3: he needed to do his homework.
1: Yes. Yeah, some ridiculous Doctor Strange type number.
3: Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was. 15,532 iterations before Keon
1: decided to do his homework. And that is exactly how long, how many years it takes to watch The Endless Eight. Yep. <laughs> but somebody
3: did the math on that, and I don't remember exactly what the number was, but it's something like a couple hundred to a couple thousand years of them being stuck in that two-week loop. Um. Oof yeah I, I just checked actually it's 595 years that they were stuck in that loop it's a long time it's a long 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 time and if you recall nagato was the one character who lived every single iteration
1: nagato's been through a lot so right. that you know that actually does make the movie make a little bit more sense for exactly. sure. exactly she just kind of snapped yeah definitely What's
3: interesting also is in the books, the disappearance comes before the Endless Eight. So when they reference the Endless Eight, they're like, yeah, this happened. Keon's saying like, yeah, this happened a couple weeks or a couple months before the disappearance did. And then he like tells the story. And in the book, you don't get loops. You get the last loop. Oh, I see. Yeah, like it's just... It jumps in, they go do the activities, and then it comes to the part where uh, Makuru calls him and is, like, you know, upset, and then that's it. He realizes he needs to do his homework, and that's it. So that was interesting that the show actually delved into, like, the first time that they did this, and then eight of the other times, or six of the other times, I guess, and, like, it just showed, like, how the characters were reacting, and Keon kept on, like, feeling like, crap, we're about to loop again, like, I don't know what to do and Na- Na- Nagato keeps on living this over and over and is keeping track of all of it.
2: So in the in the books they weren't it, was, it this this incident is not called the endless eight, right? Because there's not It is. Okay, why is it called the endless eight?
3: I don't know.
2: Isn't it eight No, it's 2
1: weeks. It's, it's not 8 weeks. days. It's 2 weeks, it's not 8 days. Um oh, that's interesting.
3: Yeah, I don't know why it's called the endless eight, but it actually still is. The chapter name is called the endless eight
1: somebody who knows let us know on on social media on twitter or facebook
3: yeah like i know a lot about Please. this series but i didn't actually ever look into that reason because i didn't really think about it honestly
1: so was there was there a production reason on the side of kyo Annie as to why they decided to animate so much of the endless eight
3: they animated so much of it. And they also i'm pretty sure they revoiced all of it <laughs>
1: Yeah. They did because the the script is slightly different each episode just like I said with those like little little references like it's it's different every single time Yeah,
3: yeah. and the one thing that's consistent though is kyon <laughs> Denwa, which is on the phone <laughs> And it's his sister yes. every time his cell phone rings at the beginning
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: So uh, you're not familiar with any reason why they specifically went that direction? Uh,
3: probably a directorial choice. Like, I don't, I don't think anybody's actually spoken to it.
1: Perhaps so. Maybe, maybe it was a a television thing as well, because they were making this for TV. And I know that sometimes, uh, TV can be strange to, work with yeah. um so i don't know that's just kind of my speculation there's probably something out some source out there that says why but we're not familiar with it at this point again if if you know of it if you know of a production uh thing out there as to why the endless eight was done in the show uh like it is uh just uh link us to it on uh, on facebook or twitter we uh really appreciate the other the info
2: about it I mean as as I as I said earlier like the whole charm of races Mia, isn't really like the the trapping of the normal slice of life stuff it's that these weird paranormal incidents are happening so yeah. having that happen and having them animate it you know we have season 1 is the weird broadcast order where things don't make sense season 2 is you're watching the same episode over and over again you're not really sure why i feel like it's just part of it and we we consider the the uh, sort of the I don't know, like AR stuff they were doing. Like they had set up a website, the AOSOSBrigade.com. Uh, when the movie came out, they did like a fake 404 for it. There's just a bunch of uh, weird things that go on in that that sort of link up here in real life. And I think that just adds to the charm of the series and really makes it what it is.
1: Yeah. So what you're, so what you're saying is that it is true galaxy brain to unironically
2: love the Endless Eight. Yeah, kind of. I mean, honestly, I don't. I, I don't personally have a problem with it. Like, I wouldn't watch all eight episodes, but I am glad that they exist because that's some cojones you got there to do eight episodes. That's the same thing, but as you said, it's not. They are eight distinct episodes with eight distinct animation and voice tracks. Like, so they like they intentionally did this, and the 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 sheer hatred from fandom is hilarious to me. I don't it's, even know it's if a, it's hatred because
3: <laughs> for me, like. When, when you're when you're re-watching it, I watch one, seven and eight. I don't watch all the rest of them because there's no reason to. Um, that's what most people say is you watch the first one, you watch one of the ones in between because you get like how they're feeling and like the fact that it's a loop and then you get the resolution. You don't need eight of them, you need three but, if you watch all eight of them sequentially, that's three hours of your life you just spent watching the same thing. Imagine Nagato having lived it for 500 600, let's round it up, 600 years like, and then go watch The Disappearance. You'll understand.
1: Yeah, you definitely bring a, a good piece of context to the story with that. Um, definitely, because it does make her, her decisions in the movie make a lot more sense and I think the audience can empathize with that a lot more if they themselves sat through the endless eight, um, For sure. and experienced that, um, you know, as you do. And I think that anybody is who is interested in pursuing Haruhi Suzumiya should do that. Um, if, you're, if you're once. if you're really interested in it if you're just kind of so so interested in that and and that sounds really unappealing to you you might just want to pass on this show um, but I guess we could talk about a little bit of that in sort of our our closing remarks but uh Tobias I think I think your point is is very is very um very thoughtful, and I'm t- I definitely tend to agree with that too. Because as a f- as a big fan of Hideki Ano, I appreciate things that sort of go off the deep end and kind of slap their fans in the face a little bit, uh, because I think that keeps us humble, and we need that yeah. more often. So um, I-, I appreciate yeah. the the like like
2: you said earlier, the sheer audacity of them to do I mean, that. The cool thing about it is you don't have to watch all of them late. Like, don't feel bad if you can't sit through it all. It, they, It is interesting from a visual perspective and it's interesting that yeah. they did it, but I myself have not watched all eight episodes with full attention paid to them. I don't, I agree. No, I hear. They Oh, full know.
3: attention paid. Hell no.
2: Yeah. Like Got I've it. been <laughs> doing other things. I've had them on in the background just in case something changed. But yeah, like if you're already a little weirded out by it, if, if the people on the internet have won you over, that mls eight is horrible, at least watch the first one. And maybe skip to the last iteration, but don't finish. Don't not finish rest of the series because of the end. Say especially if you like right. season one. That was
3: the that w- that was one of the things though. Like that the show did better, even though it was so annoying. It is done better in the show than it is in the novel because you actually feel their pain. Because in the novel it gets resolved immediately, so you're just like, "Huh, that must
1: have sucked." And then <laughs> yeah. in the show, you feel how much it sucked. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. All right. So do you guys want to transition to talking more about some of Haruhi's like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? um, ec- Not extraneous, but uh, something, something related franchise. media franchise. Yeah. Related media.
3: Okay. Yeah. So, so you probably
1: know more about that than any of us, Ryan.
3: I do. I personally, I own a crap ton of Haruhi media. My entire top shelf of my bookcase is filled like end to end with Haruhi stuff. I have all of the light novels and hardcover. I have half of the manga. I'm always looking for it. It's hard to find all of it. Um, I have some of the Nagato manga, and I have one of the volumes of Haruhi Chan. Um, And I have two import games. One of them I found at Book Off, and it's a PS3 uh, visual novel game, which I haven't played because... I don't understand Japanese. (laughs) I think I, I think I showed you that one. You did. You did. Yes. Thank you for that. Um, You're welcome. And then at Triad, at Triad this past year, I went to one of the dealers and they had like everything here is 50% off. And I just so happened to see a Haruhi figure. And I was like, Oh cool. It's a Haruhi figure. And then I flip it around and it's actually a collector set of a Wii game. (laughs) what yeah it was a it's a rhythm game for the wii that comes with the haruhi that comes with the haruhi figure bundled with it and it was 15 dollars. and i was like the the game alone is worth this and i get a figure with it and i'm never unwrapping that thing so (laughs) (laughs) that's cool yeah so that that's i have a lot of cool stuff for that but there's um i mentioned haruhi chan that is a chibi series where if you know chibi series they're typically short episodes, they're completely nonsensical and completely non-canon. Uh, Thank God. For instance, for instance, um, Makuru has a pet lion and Asakura is back in this one, but she's like the size of like an ant essentially. She's really small and Nagato pretty much just takes care of her and like pokes her every so often and it's a cute series it's fun the entire like anime series you can get through in about 45 minutes because it's a chibi series and it's funny it's if you need more haruhi it's definitely
1: worth your time Um, so they're just like little three minute episodes or something yeah cool
3: yeah and then there's the disappearance of nagato yuki-chan which takes place In the universe of The Disappearance. It's kind of similar to... You know how at the end of Evangelion... Not the movie, the end of Evangelion. But... Or actually was that in Uh, the the end.
1: You're you're talking about TV ending.
3: Yeah, I think. Where they had the Slice of Life segment.
1: Yeah, Yeah, that's in the end of the TV show.
3: Okay, that's what I thought. I kind of remember. Yeah, it's kind of in that vein. Because they have an entire series of the the ending of the TV show of Evangelion. With the Slice of Life. And there's a series following the universe of the disappearance surrounding uh Nagato predominantly and Kion's also in it. All the major characters are in it. But um So you
2: mean this takes place in the universe where Nagato is the like the shy girl is, that kinda likes Kion?
3: Yes. That's exactly so, where it takes place. And like So
1: does it um is so it takes place in the same universe as the movie. So is it established that it like takes place like before Kion realizes that he's out of his universe?
3: No. It's okay, so not established at all. I think it's just as if Kion never realized it because ah. there are a lot of parallels to the show. Like there's a okay. lot of events that coincide that happen like in the show and then happen in the disappearance. So, they they're definitely distinct, but the characters are pretty much still the same. The only real complaint I had is like some of the art decisions were a little different. But Asakura was a main character, and I loved her before you know plot happened to her. Um, and so that was nice to have her back, and. Um, there is so there's an interesting plot element of that where Robot Nagato actually is a part of that show. Like interesting. she she gets she gets into like an almost traumatic like near death experience that pretty much leaves her like basically vegetative, like not vegetative but she like loses all emotion for like a good while and during that time she like confesses that she has feelings for Keon because he's trying to help her get through this. And then when she like gets out of it, she completely forgets everything that happened. So it was a nice, uh, it was a nice series. I definitely enjoyed it. A lot of people didn't, but I think that's probably, and I'm totally speaking for these people. I don't actually know reasons for most of them. Like, sure, you didn't like the plot, but most Haruhi fans that I can tell didn't like it because it wasn't season three. And I can attest to that because they got all the original cast back. They could have easily
1: had done season 3 instead of the, dis- the disappearance, but they didn't. So, um, how do they how does it play out because they establish in the film that Haruhi and Koizumi and this universe go to a different school. So, right. are they doing like their own antics in another sc- in like the other school or are they still part of like the core like cast both? So, okay.
3: Haruhi and Koizumi still are a part of the other school, but due to happenstance Kion and nagato run into haruhi at one point and like that's around episode three like you see haruhi just kind of in passing um mm-hmm. and other times and then they like help her do something and then they go their separate ways and then Kion and nagato are sitting in the literary club room and Kion looks out the window and sees haruhi standing there and she runs up that is one of my favorite scenes in that show because Keon you already can tell just doesn't like her and like in the, in the in the melancholy he puts up with her because literally the fate of the, the of existence is at stake and he kind of likes her I guess but mm-hmm. <laughs> in this one in this one you straight up see just the rage and disgust on his face it's like <laughs> no why is she here and he's just so visibly annoyed to like the nth degree and also there's a song that plays whenever Har he's doing something stupid in the melancholy (laughs) and during this scene that song is playing so I'm just like of course this is perfect (laughs) it it was just so funny yeah
1: so I I've I've also heard that sort of uh, sort of disdain about that show not not being what people wanted it to be but that doesn't mean that it is bad so I'm, I'm glad to hear that you as a as a big fan of this franchise, we're we're very uh, satisfied with with what you got.
3: Yeah, if you can get past the fact that it isn't season three, it's very
1: enjoyable. Does it have the similar like tone as the rest of the series? Like is Kyon still a narrator or is it, no, it going kind completely, of a different direction?
3: It doesn't really narrate at all, but Nagato is the protagonist. It follows it follows her, it doesn't follow Kion. Okay. So Interesting. Yeah. That's a great show, and I honestly do recommend picking it up. And it's it's short; I think it's only twenty four episodes. Um, and cool. it has the entire original cast, both sub and dub, so it's really well done. Um, and the last thing I kind of want to mention about like expanded media, it's kind of funny to me. Um, I picked up a few packs of the Weiss Schwarz Harhi set when it came out because I like art, um, and I have those sitting in a binder. There are a lot of Weiss Schwarz cards that have moments that were never animated.
1: So, like, scenes from, like, the light novels? Yeah. Or oh. kind of the manga, in a way, because the manga did
3: mm-hmm. finish. But, yeah, it's kind of weird to me that they did actually print scenes that were not in the anime, like, when Haruhi goes and gets her past self for antics.
1: Yeah, that's really interesting. It, they, they probably just like got the illustrators or whatever to be like, hey, make us some designs for these cards that we're going to sell and make a million billion dollars on. Exactly. And
3: they have a couple characters that hadn't appeared uh, in the show, but they do appear in the light novel. Like, slight spoilers. There's another alien. There's another Esper. Uh, there's another Esper organization. Like, there's pretty much a foil to all of the uh, protagonists, Mm -hmm. and it's very interesting like the later stories are really good
1: So, do we have anything else that we want to discuss
2: before we uh, sort of wrap up and do uh, Twitter questions? There's uh, one thing I wanted to uh, ask, at least to Ryan, because I know you've watched, uh, or rather, you've read the light novels, and I've never really got around to it, but I've been wanting to. But regardless, I heard a really interesting theory a while back that the light novels apparently touch upon, and it's the idea that Haruhi is not, in fact, the god character, it's Kyon. Yeah, And that, like, it's his desire for an interesting life. You know, we, we talk about the whole, that opening dialogue is him talking about Santa Claus and not believing in stuff and very irrational think thinking. But it is, I feel like the, one of the reason Khan goes along with Harry so much is he really secretly likes the fun of everything. And we see in Disappearance, that's the major theme at the end, is that he chooses the old life because it's fun. So right. do you feel like the novels really leave it up to the viewer? Like, is Kion really the god character, and Haruhi is really just his instrument?
3: The only, um... There's a few instances that I can definitely see that, and, like, he's just using Haruhi as an excuse, or, like, he sees what Haruhi wants, and secretly wants it himself. Right. But the only exception to that is I'm gonna mention the Endless 8 again, because I feel like he wouldn't subject himself to that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So... (laughs) At least not intentionally.
3: Yeah, unless he like really feels guilty about not doing his homework.
2: <laughs> well, I don't think there's ever been a high schooler that's really felt guilty about doing their homework. Let's be yeah, fair. No.
3: <laughs> but no, that's definitely that's definitely a uh debated thing. It's not like not too many people actually buy into it, but I I can see it. Like it's it's definitely an interesting perspective, like, if anything.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of parallels the end the end of the movie where he talks to Yuki and is like, all right, if they ever take you away, I'm going to tell Haruhi and, and, you know, get you back and all that kind of stuff. So I feel like that's yeah. kind of, even though, even if he may not have deific power himself, uh, his will has created Haruhi, who is an instrument of chaos. So, I mean, I feel like that's a really interesting way to think about it. We see his Kion is just this pretty sarcastic character, but, you know, internally, he really, he wants this stuff to happen too.
3: Yeah, it's, um, yeah, I definitely like that perspective. It's fun to talk about, but no, I don't believe it myself.
1: All right, guys, so I guess here in closing, before we get to Twitter questions, I guess we'll just go around the table real quick and just give your... Final thoughts, like your final pitch, I guess, for this show, and uh, we'll go ahead and start with uh, with Tobias. Just tell us your, your final thoughts about Haruhi in general and
2: what you think uh, people should take away from it. So, watching it in twenty eighteen for Fresh is going to be a little difficult because a lot of shows have built off of it and done kind of a maybe not better but a. a a more palatable job. I feel like uh, KyoAni's later work, Love, Chunibyo, and Other Delusions, kind of hits a lot of the same notes, although I'm not a fan of the way that show ended. I think Harui is a little better than that. But regardless, uh, I feel like this is still a show you should go back and watch if you're an anime nerd at all. I would personally recommend watching it in broadcast or trying it in broadcast order the first time, and if you don't like it, move to chronological. I think based on your own personal taste if you know that you don't like when shows jump around in a chronological timeline then you know of course go for uh, you know chronological order naturally but if, if you like to be challenged I would highly recommend doing broadcast at least starting off uh, don't skip the movie the movie's really good uh, don't let endless eight and the discussion thereof turn you off to the series as a whole just skip over it if you don't like but uh, regardless I still think this is uh, as as Burnt out as it has been in the community, it still is a very important show to everything as a whole. Ryan,
3: so I fully acknowledge all the problems this show has, and anybody who ever like mentions it to me, I literally answer them like this: "You're completely correct, but I still love this show, anyways."
1: <laughs> I think it's I think it's great to have shows like that because I I definitely have some too. So yeah, yeah, because because like we Tobias have one. and I. Yeah, Tobias and I were talking about it uh just yesterday. Like I really love Vampire Hunter D: Bloodlust. It's not an amazing movie, but I love it cuz it just panders directly to me. It's just something about it just speaks to me. And Tobias said he didn't really dig it, and uh that's totally fine cuz I also acknowledge that it's not a excellent movie. It's just excellent to me.
3: <laughs> There's nothing there is nothing perfect.
1: Oh yeah. That's true. Not even not even Evangelion is perfect.
2: Hey, yep. hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> All right, this <laughs> no, is this is third impact anime podcast. Keep that in mind. No, That's Austin true. Oh, man. When Austin we showed
3: can't. me when Austin showed me Evangelion for the first time, like I, de- I was giving him my thoughts as they were coming out and pretty much every complaint I had he's like, "Yeah, I know." <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, especially like some of those like animation quality dips there in the middle yeah. like mm, but whatever. More so, I, more I, so I, just the
3: ending, but everybody who's a fan knows what happened.
1: Yeah, that ending is perfect. You can't you got to fight me on that one like it's perfect. I mean but the anyway, show ending. They're both perfect. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um so um yeah, I'm I'm kind of in the same boat. Uh I I think that there's definitely some things that if you're if you're a fan of like uh high school antics shows this is probably one of the best in its genre it's at least one of the more complex ones that delivers its its themes and its story in a way that's very very unique and very interesting and there's really there's there's a lot of stuff out there that is like Haruhi, but there is really nothing that's like Haruhi. Yeah. Uh, for 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 the good and the bad. So um, if you're somebody that really likes a very strong main character, if you're somebody that likes um, uh, just a, a story that's told in an interesting way, uh, check out Haruhi again. Don't don't sort of let uh don't there's there's two spectrums on harhi i think um there's the the uh sort of the diehard spectrum where like harhiism is the religion of the land and to to say anything negative about our lord and savior he either the person or the show is just uh, blasphemy and then there's also the people that are like you know this the show is is uh too disjointed it's really stupid it was it was never that good back in the day it's not good now and i think the the real truth lies somewhere in the middle so uh don't listen to the to the internet fanatics just uh if if harry looks interesting to you check it out and definitely check out that movie because that's a really good movie if you like steins gate a really really good film to sort of capture some of the same ideas yeah uh, as as steins gate all right, Steins so, Gates next
3: on my list. There's one actually other yeah. thing that I want to mention, and I'm kind of yeah. annoyed I didn't bring this up sooner, but the music in the show is perfect
1: Yes, I was actually about to get to that with, oh, okay, uh, with my next with my next question in the in the closing questions little uh, area, so um, For you guys, what do you think is the most iconic moment of the melancholy of Haruhi Suzumiya the TV series or the movie? Um, for me I think it's probably um uh, the the song that she sings uh, on stage in the bunny girl costume with Yuki uh I just said the name of that song earlier God knows. God knows God knows yeah that's probably to me the most iconic moment of this show is is God knows or um the Haruhi hair changing scene from like episode one <laughs> yeah
3: <laughs> that's a pretty that's a pretty good one.
1: Um, so ryan what is your most iconic moment from this franchise uh, let's do tobias
2: first okay geez there's a there's a lot uh I, I like the hair training scene i feel like the most visually uh, the, the scene that pops out the most visually to me is the one from disappearance where the presents p- like pour out and explode through the window pushing Kian out is another yes. radio, yeah. uh visually uh, uh Sunning, stunning scene to me. Uh, I, I love the entire day of Sagittarius three episode. Uh, all the like, oh, all the sci-fi scenes are hilarious. I love the little touches there, for all their capital ships, and uh, I love that. And uh, yeah, and I think the opening home movie, just seeing that as a first episode, and I think that's perfect. Just it's it's goofy. Uh, they really portrayed how awkward these high school kids are trying to film something for the first time uh kyon's snarky uh, narration is hilarious and uh the little funny visual touches uh, the special effects they try to do i think it makes it for me
3: yeah i would probably have to say the uh tanabata episode Mm. where he goes back in time and paints the field for young haruhi yeah
1: oh yeah that's a good one
3: yeah it, it showed like a lot of character moments it gave a lot of depth into haruhi and why she feels the way she feels and it just shows how much he actually does like care about her yeah and future makuru moments are always like great for me because they're interesting mm-hmm. so yeah i like i like that was probably the most iconic one for me is when he went back in time and uh, did that
1: and that and i'm i'm okay so first of all i'm really surprised none of you said the Harihara yukai dance as the most uh, iconic cuz that well that's not a moment Yes. Is.
3: Is. <laughs> i mean it's the most
1: iconic <laughs> thing it's not really a moment that's true that's true um i would say that's probably the most the biggest cultural touchstone yeah. of this uh,
2: for sure, but to um, kind of cut in uh, before we move on, yeah, uh, Ryan, Ryan, was talking about the future Mikuru movie uh, moments. I really like those as well. I, I like seeing the fact that like the, we we are presented with evidence that Mikuru is not horrifically scarred by being abused by Haruhi. Like she gets she she's able to get over it and become a stronger person at the end of the day. And I really like seeing that. Like she she comes out. That's so true. At the end of the day, she comes out okay, and she kind of can laugh at these scenes and. Uh, you kind of see this melancholy in and of itself where you, you, she, she she likes Kion, but she knows that since she knows what happens in the past she knows that like they can't be together, at least on a normal situation. So there's this melancholy in her scenes as well, where she's kind of like playfully flirtatious with him but doesn't mm-hmm, go mm-hmm. over the top.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah, it gives a good mystery to it because you know that you're not getting the full story here but you know that there is a story here and you're yeah. Your brand and your assumptions and and her actions uh can sort of speak for themselves exactly.
3: yeah because there was the moment in the disappearance where you see the future makuru is like really wigged out by yuki and you're just like why
1: yeah that yeah definitely yeah um okay so uh, again one of the closing questions just real quick just give your answer we'll move on so Uh, This is a favorite character question, but I'm going to frame it as, who is best girl, Tobias? Mikuru. (laughs) Yeah,
2: I mean, if you would... Okay, Tobias, let's answer the question. Uh, Yeah, when I first watched this series, I I think Mikuru thought Mikuru was best girl, for sure. Uh, Now I see her just being a little too pandering for my taste. Uh, I appreciated the development we got through Yuki, with, again, the day of Sagittarius 3 and the fact that she actually enjoyed hacking the game. And yeah. seeing her yep. seeing her as a human being and the disappearance was really touching too uh, I did kind of wish that Kion had just stuck around with her because I thought it would be a really cute show to watch uh, even if it wasn't very interesting there uh, is a show to watch about that <laughs> yeah I, I, I should pick it up now I was I kind of blinked on it when it <laughs> first came out uh, I thought it was going to be another chibi crappy CG thing but nah. no it's not so I'm, I'm glad to hear it so I'll definitely go and check it out uh, I, I liked a lot of characters. I thought each of the SOS Brigade was really interesting. Uh, I think my fan favorite definitely Chiruya. Uh, the mm-hmm. green girl. Yeah, the green haired girl yeah. that just hangs out and laughs at everything. Yeah, <laughs> she's great. She is me. Uh, yeah, no, I don't. It's hard to pick one particular character. I like them all. But I appreciate Yuki more now than I did then. I would, I would leave it at that.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yuki definitely has the best character moments.
1: I'm picking uh, Shami-sen as mine.
3: Oh my god, of course.
1: There you go. Shami-sen is
3: funny. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Alright, so uh, let's see. Oh, so another another question. Uh, which
2: opening did you guys like better, the first one or the second one?
3: First one, hands down.
2: Yeah, uh, I barely remember the second one. Uh, the first one is just so iconic. Bokan Desho Desho is just so great. And Harahara Yukai, of course, is iconic as well.
1: Oh yeah. I honestly found the second one to be more of a bop. Maybe it's just because I like the chorus better, but I also think they're good, but I got, I got to put my hat in the second one. Got to right. be that. Got to be that neer well
3: I thought the first one fit the tone of the show, like, really well.
1: Yeah. Like, it does. Yeah. I, I like the animation.
2: Just the animation of the first one, like, there's, like, that sea of stars, and, like, you see Mikro just fly by on the clock in tears. Yeah. Like, there's just so much <laughs> of it that kind of pops for me. It's very nostalgic. That,
1: um... That initial scene uh, in the very opening of the opening is a riff on the Escaflone opening. Okay. Because they do the same exact thing, uh, like the the low angle shot with the character like facing away and you see a, a sea of stars in the sky and then they whip around really quick to like, close up on their face. That is directly from uh, the vision of Escaflone opening. Uh, I'll, I'll link it to you guys and you guys will be like, oh yeah, obviously. <laughs> so i guess we can jump into twitter questions here um so our first twitter question comes from our another cohort of ours from sarah at unique x harmony on twitter uh is there a character that high school you totally would have hung out with uh for me most likely the judging by who i was in high school i would probably have hung out with someone most closely to yuki or probably kyon
3: I probably would have hung out with Makuru and Koizumi cuz Makuru reminds me of one of my friends who I was like who's a really good friend still and then Koizumi just I feel like I would have met him at some point and just kind of hit it off
2: Yeah uh, I mean I would like to say Miku or Miku uh, I would like to say Yuki but I feel like sort of her silent uh, demeanor would have made me thought that she hates me uh, like most <laughs> people kind of have that default where People talk to you, you kind of think, oh man, they got to secretly hate me. Uh, Mm -hmm. I would see myself as being a Kyon type figure getting dragged around by somebody with a very more boisterous personality, which is pretty Mm -hmm. much what happened in college uh, among a few other different types of people. So it would honestly, uh, not really happy to say this, be Harui. (laughs) Cool. All right. All right. So Tori
1: asks, and Tobias, you kind, you got, you gave a pretty, pretty good answer to this early on. Yeah. Why
2: is horror? He's such a brat. Yeah. So like I said, like. We, we get the introduction with her character. She's really she's really afraid. That's really what drives Haruhi. She's afraid to be normal, to be lost in the normalcy, and she yeah she does things which are pretty excusable. Yeah, she kind of does all that crap to Mikuru, but I think part of that is just the fact this is a 2006 anime with 2006 anime tropes. She is very much a Tsundere character, and Mikuru is very much a moeblob character. So we kind of have to consider this being a very just tropey show. When we consider that with like what they do, uh, I don't feel like Haruhi's issues justify a lot of her actions. But I have to at least give it to her that she's making the most out of life. And I, I, you know, if we were going with the idea of uh, Haruhi being a uh, an instrument wielded by Kyon, who's you know the real god in the situation, then it's a I don't know, like, it would be a projection of his own desires for a high school life, uh, assuming you go with that theory. So she just serves a plot purpose in that degree.
1: Do you have anything to add, Ryan? Nope. Me neither. All right. So we kind of already went into this, but Jeff asks, Why was there a need for the Endless Eight, other than to just say, Heck you, audience, which I'm fine with that being the explanation. (laughs)
3: It it gives better it gives better understanding of the movie in my opinion. Yeah,
2: yeah, that's that's a very good yeah, answer. I don't I don't agree with the personification of being you know a, a heck you like an insult. Uh, I I feel like fans read those kind of things like this and the whole you know Evangelion ending as being insults from the creators to us, but I don't think they really are. They're just they're depictions in a very different way, and Haruhi really needs to be depicted in a different way to stand out. I hear you. Um,
1: I was being a little bit crass with that because I I generally do agree um, with the way that you framed it. Uh, it's it's like a it's a it's a heck you not necessarily in a personal attack to the audience, but a heck you in the sense of subverting what you would normally yeah. expect. Like heck your expectations. Yeah, exactly. Heck expectations. <laughs> Austin. <laughs> <laughs> all right so now we have a long string of basil questions oh but uh, here we, we go quest- here we go
2: with the bullshit again <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're not going to answer all of them because some of them he kind of asks questions that other folks already did okay. so um actually you know what let me do andrew from uh nos anime a favor and do his first because he yeah. he was a humble man and only gave us two okay uh so andrew from at nos underscore anime says while Haruhi is definitely overbearing as a character other similarly bullish characters, especially in shonen anime, seem to be allowed to get away without being so negatively remembered. Do you think there is a particular reason for this? Um, personally, I think that the reason for that is just, it's, a, it's like a tone and setting thing, at least in some part. Because Haruhi seems a whole lot more boisterous and like overbearing and bullish just because of like the world that she's in and the characters that are surrounding her like everyone except Haruhi is pretty chill and laid back she's the only one that is sort of like like mucking things up for better or worse like uh, like um, interrupting her quiet life Um, in a shonen anime there are probably a bunch of characters that are doing that, and usually the stakes are higher, and like the the stress level is much higher, so I would say that is at least part of it. Do you guys have any other takes on that?
3: No, you pretty much said everything well, I thought.
2: I do. Uh, the singular point here, the reason why Harui is considered so different than other character types, is simply because of Kyung. Because in every other show like this, the tsundere character is really... I mean, to be fair, almost a fetish character. They're there to yeah. serve a particular archetype for a female character to have, most likely a romantic you know, relationship with the main character. The main character is just a self-insert blank slate. But with Kion, we see he very much has a personality, and he very much is not happy with being bossed around like he is. Even if he is happy with it, even if he does come to terms with the fact that he really does care for her he doesn't really you know, say that in the text of, of his narration throughout the show. So I think that's really why we remember Haruhi as being like, like she is, more so than other characters. Uh, I also feel like, yeah, she goes a little overboard with her treatment of the rest of the characters, and they kind of just take it. Whereas other shows like this, uh, the, the major tsundere character is just there to be you know, hot-cold with the main character, rather than actively bullies everybody else so uh this next question
1: ryan you kind of already went into a little bit but maybe you can speak a bit more about it with a specific example uh have y'all completed the novels that weren't animated if so what's your opinion on some of the additional tales about the gang uh i have not done any of that uh ryan if you've read any of the other stories uh what do you think about some of the other things that are like novel exclusive
3: snowy mountain syndrome is one of my favorite stories um it's so well written I can just picture that would be the next thing they animate probably and also the uh, the split reality story was really interesting so I
1: really like them they were all a lot of fun cool all right now to 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 basil basil's uh, tornado of, of questions all right so basil at its basil time on Twitter asks uh, considering the show was like an exploding Sun do you think people still really remember this show I think the Older fans remember it, but younger fans may have heard of it. They may have heard the "Hari Hari Yukai" before. That they might not know that it's from Haru Suzumiya. They might recognize that name, but they probably haven't actually seen the show. Hey, man, yeah. I'm,
2: not, I'm not old. What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm I'm hip with the kids. Come on, you like that my hero macadamia? <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. Uh, I I, uh, I'd be I'd be inclined to agree with that.
2: I, yeah i mean I, it, it, it's it's a sign of the times you had to have been there to really get the full brunt of heroism if not then i mean you still feel the after effects whether you uh, understand it or not but yeah it's gonna be you had to have been there man it's kind of like an urusei yatsura thing
1: like there's a lot of stuff that is sort of taken directly from yatsura but like how many people of even our age demographic and you know needless to say younger have you know really seen or heard of anything related to yatsura itself rather than maybe perhaps recognizing who
2: lum is yeah i would say lum being would be more iconic than the show she comes from as just like harry's herself is probably really iconic yeah right uh kind
1: of Got into this already? Do you think the show is still relevant? That's kind of a an in, a, a loaded question, I think.
3: No, it's not relevant anymore, but it's still enjoyable. Yeah,
1: I guess it's I guess sleep. it's relevant. Yeah, I guess it's relevant to the context of the modern day, but as yeah. it being like actively relevant and influential, not so much. Yeah, yep, I would agree. Uh, should the show still be? Uh, I mean, I think we kind of just touched uh, on that. It, I mean. <sighs> Not really, because like, you know, si- kind of like what you said, Tobias, like, it's a sign of the times, like, things things are just going to lead into other things, and then they're going to lead into other things, and we can't always be like, well, why isn't this show popular anymore? It's just because it- it just- it's not. It's because there's new things now, and we can enjoy those things, too, and, you know, enjoy the things from the past, too, but not everything has to be relevant all the time at the same time. Yeah, like, yeah. Cheers isn't popular anymore. Yeah uh so what uh, we already kind of went over that so what was Kyon's best quip Do you guys have any in particular that you liked that you can think of
3: my my personal favorite from Kion, i relate to so much is i'm begging you establish context before you start talking
1: <laughs> oh that's amazing <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's so good yeah oh that's so good <laughs> Uh, So which of Haruhi's hairstyles were your favorite? Uh, I like her long hair. I
3: I thought the one where it was like tied up in like four different places and in like braided ponytails was really funny.
2: Yeah, or the one where they're just almost, yeah, like that one or the one where they're kind of like other similar tentacles it's just random bunches of hair splayed out. (laughs) I I really like the one where they're they're done into like Sailor Moon-ish buns with like the green buns. That was was a different look. Mm
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And when she just wears
1: it up in a ponytail, that's pretty good too. Yeah. Uh, okay, so we kind of touched on this a little bit already. Do you think how people should? How, do you think how people should react to the character of Haruhi, considering the Me Too movement? She should probably check her Twitter history. <laughs> yeah, that's that. We definitely kind of outlined that too, like her being so so grabby and very inappropriate with uh, with Mikuru is like it's played for laughs, but it, it's really not that funny if you think about it. Um and that stuff's definitely there. You can't ignore it,
2: but I mean I don't know. It kind of yeah. is what it is. I mean, yeah, <laughs> to also be relevant, you know, it's, it's kind of like the whole James Gunn thing. Like those jokes might have been funny in a very edgier time, and an edgier me might have like enjoyed that stuff, and I certainly, you know, I dug like the the uh what do you call, it? like the pandering stuff that I already did back then. Yeah. But like, now like I I can understand that it was it was Acceptable and you know interesting back in t- 2006, but now it's like yeah, it's an artifact of the time.
1: Yeah. Yep. So now he asks one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times. What did you think of the Endless Eight? Uh, we've already talked about it. So do you have any, anything else to add? Nope. No, we covered it. Should I well. ask? Should I ask? Do you have anything else to add? Eight times? Nope. <laughs> All right, moving. <laughs> well, on. I got something to. Add. <laughs> Do you? Well, I have something to add. Okay, shut up. Uh, so <laughs> now now it's our time to tell Basil what did he think of The Endless Eight. You loved it. Excellent. Did you watch all episodes of The Endless Eight? I yep. I did. Ryan I did. Did. Did.
3: did. I definitely, I
1: have multiple times. Tobias, it, have you ever? I know you
2: did in this most recent time. Uh, I mean, it was on in my presence and I was absorbing um at least some of the anime i will count that as a hard yes (laughs) (laughs) absolutely
1: (laughs) did you enjoy kyoto animations trolling i think we've kind of outlined that it's not really trolling per se it's
3: artistic i
1: loved it Why aren't they giving us more Full Metal Panic? Sure, another anime studio is now giving, or at least gave us more, but come on, Kyo Annie, that's actually not true because we just got a new season of Full Metal Panic, like just a couple of seasons ago. Well,
3: yeah, the and also this is, here, is a hurry podcast. I haven't watched Full Metal. Yeah. Why is it
2: not Kyo Annie? Oh <laughs> yeah, also, th- Annie? Well, yeah that's, that's what he's asking here. Is like, sure, another studio is oh, doing it, but right. why not more? <laughs> They gotta make more swimming boys, dude. They're busy. <laughs> they are very, yeah. very busy. I, I never <laughs> really got into Full Metal Panic. I watched a couple episodes, but I saw some of FuMoFu, and I can I can appreciate the like goofy comedy from that series.
1: Yeah. I watched about half of the first series and I thought it was pretty good, but that's not that's not Kyo Annie. That was that was Gonzo,
2: I think. The original? Um Are they- Yeah, the original was Gonzo, yeah. But the other oh, two were right, were right. Kiwani. I I like how they referenced the two series and uh, uh, Koizumi's attacks and the cricket Cape Cricket episode.
1: <laughs> oh really? I didn't catch that. Wow. Yeah. I know that the um I know that the mascot character from Full Metal Panic appears in um Amagi Brilliant Park. <laughs> um, which is another Kyo Annie thing. Uh, I never watched that show, though. It, 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 I don't know. That's the one where it had like con- like a character named Kanye. And people were making a joke about that for a while. <laughs> uh, right. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> um, so when is the Haruhi crossover with the ladies and tuba shows going to happen? That, that'd be neat. I don't know what in the world would happen, but that'd be cool
2: yeah I'd be down
1: I like uh it'd probably be more appropriate to have a crossover with Kaon and sound euphonium that would be neat where um the Kaon girls convince the sound euphonium girls to stop playing their instruments and just sit down and have tea well, uh the s o s brigade shows up and ruins everything absolutely uh but really endless eight ended up being hella boring and I dropped off the show hard should I go back
3: yes yeah, so it gets really good after the endless eight
2: <sighs> yeah just skip it watch one episode to get an idea but then watch the the rest of it absolutely read read the wiki watch
1: the movie then go back be me be me um and that's that'll do it that's it that is all the twitter questions uh so um i think i think we're done here guys I i think we did a i think we did a really good job i uh really appreciate you guys coming on talking about this good show um you've uh definitely broadened my mind about it a little bit, and I uh, I hope that you guys can can say the same. Um, yeah. Haruhi.
2: Cool stuff.
3: Great show. So, Still my favorite, even though I am willing to admit it has flaws.
2: Yeah. yeah I, I really enjoyed rewatching it here. It's been a while since I, I did so, and for me, something so important to me, you know, ten years ago, it was a fun rewatch.
1: Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm glad to say that I have, after many years, probably about Eight or nine years, maybe. Finally got the show finished. So that's that's a good feeling. Nice. Um, But yeah, if you guys want to check out Haruhi Suzumiya, it is available pretty easily now. It is on Crunchyroll. It is on VRV. It's on Blu-ray. It's on all that stuff. Um, I think all all of it except for the movie is available on streaming, and that does include um, Yugi Chan and uh, Haruhi Chan as well. So um, yeah, it's it's available and out there, and you could check it out if it sounds interesting yep yep so tobias where can people talk to you about anime on social media
2: you can talk to me about anything you like uh social media wise i am on twitter uh, at reverend underscore tobias and that's pretty much where i hang out at cool ryan what about yourself
3: uh i've been starting to dabble on the bird side a little bit more um, it's at Ryan McEntee. We'll link it below. I stream occasionally on twitch at twitch.tv slash one rdm gamer and uh, Myself and two other friends of ours are starting to work on a gaming YouTube channel But that's still in the works, but I'm gonna like slowly start to shamelessly promote that And Heck yeah, yeah, you could probably also like talk to me uh, If you like come to my house, but if you ask me a question, I'll probably be like I don't know get out of my house yeah um, <laughs> and yeah also i'm i'm very engaged on the uh third impact uh group
1: so if you want to talk to me about stuff ask me there yep that's a really good place to contact all of us because we're all we're all in there in one way or another um as for me i'm on twitter on the bird site pretty regularly at bebop shock and that's bebop is in cowboy bebop and shock is in bioshock and uh yeah bird site um as far as general third impact things you can find our Facebook page at facebook.com slash third impact anime and there you can find the uh, link to our Facebook group which is called the third impact anime community and you can just join there and you'll get uh, podcast updates you'll get updates um, bird impact anime thanks Tobias (laughs) um but yeah, you can get updates on all of our podcasts there and uh we'll post stuff from uh cons or like interesting things that are floating around the uh anime internet community and whatnot. Uh pretty low on memes. We wanna keep it that way. Go find memes elsewhere. Memes um, memes but, are good, uh, but uh yeah. Yeah, we want to keep it mostly like social in a non-image macro kind of way. Um but yeah, uh you can find us there. And uh, our podcast is pretty much available anywhere. It's available exactly where you're finding it right now. In addition to it being available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, all that cool stuff. And uh, if you want to, if you liked this episode or have liked other episodes of ours, or if you've come to any of our panels and seen us do that thing where we talk about anime in front of a group of people at a convention, uh, please consider popping over to our Facebook page and giving us a little star rating and a little review. Uh, We really appreciate stuff like that. It really helps us out with uh, knowing exactly what our audience wants and uh, knowing how to be better podcasts, better podcasters better panelists and better people in the general sense as we live on this large round flat earth um (laughs) all right guys well it's been great it's wonderful talking to you guys as always and uh i guess we'll see in the next one